0: Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Oh, it's cold. Oh, it's cold this morning. Over in Florida, my friend Chris Gold says it's uh, 32 degrees over there. Sounds ghastly. I'm not sure which I would rather have. 32 degrees, which is double it and add... Th- oh, that's quite high, isn't it? Uh, or failing that, the cold weather we've got this morning in London. I think given the choice, cold weather's going to win because I can't do heat. I'm not very good at that. It's 89 degrees over there. You see, some people love that. They'll be out there doing... He'll be out there lying on a sun lounger, then they'll turn him over, and uh, it'll be crispy, crispy on both sides, whereas I get crispy, crispy just by falling on a halogen oven. So most of yesterday in the hospital, having the uh, glaucoma, I was going to say sorted out, but we're back on more drops. So I've now got two lots of drops to do. It's amazing. Two lots of insulin Two lots of uh, eye drops, one at night, and then one which I take during the daytime twice. So, in fact, I've probably got to do it when I finish the programme this morning, and they do one a little bit later on. Anyway, it's Friday. Who cares? It's Friday. Goodness sake, let's enjoy ourselves. Kick off your heels, get your boobies out. Here we go. And uh, I'm sorry, I was thinking out of the box then. And what on earth was going on with me? I was thinking about a joke that I heard the other day. Anyway, talking of the other day, we recorded two super guests for in conversation, which you'll be hearing tomorrow morning, and you'll have a little a little taster. On this morning's programme. Uh, One is Hugh Fernley Whittingstall from River Cottage. He's got a super cookbook out, uh, which is all vegetables. All vegetables. Nothing but vegetables. So if you're a veggie or a vegan or you're somebody who eats meat, you just want to enlarge your repertoire, this will be the book for you. He's got some lovely stuff in there. And also unusual. He's got a lovely beetroot and rhubarb soup. And he puts different things. Sometimes he'll do roast potatoes with apple and stuff like that. I mean, it's a, it's a really good book. So I gave it to the producer, Mark, because he's just gone vegan. And uh, and we were quite right yesterday. I brought in a sandwich, which was uh, uh, Wensleydale and carrot chutney. And of course, he can't have it because cheese has got milk in it. And he can't have milk. He can't have sweets. He can't have anything. He seems to be coping quite well with it. And uh, Hugh was very impressed with him. And then the fabulous David Emmanuel came in. And that was lovely. He came all the way in. He came in a long way. He came in actually <laughs> long way, and we had a really really good chat. So you're going to hear that on the programme tomorrow morning. The man who, together with his late wife Elizabeth, designed the dress for Diana, and uh, and literally they went from you know being well known to like super super well known. You know, you literally go from you know people in this country and people in the business knowing who you are to all of a sudden seven hundred million people around the world, know who you are. You are the man who designed that dress. And uh, he's got some good stories of, uh, of how, you know, Diana phoned him up. She'd always phone him up. She'd always say the same thing. Well, I'm not going to tell you. You have to wait and hear the interview. Because um, it spoils it. And I hadn't heard the story before. So it's lovely. So he was in yesterday. He was absolutely charming. So that was great. And then I tootled off home to get myself ready for the hospital. Because yesterday was eyes. So we were doing glaucoma. So off I pootle, uh, and I've discovered I'm getting quite good on buses now. I managed to get the bus uh, to Kingston, and then from Kingston I asked, I'm getting very good at asking people, excuse me, how do I get to the hospital? Uh, You get buses two, three, four, whatever it was, and it was just there, so that came along, so I got that, went in there, and I was early. But you always hope, don't you, that they're going to see you early, and they didn't. My appointment was quarter to four, I didn't get to see anybody till twenty past four which is like a long time when you've been in there since three o'clock in the afternoon. Anyway, we go through the whole thing and it comes down to the fact that um, we've still got a bit of pressure. It's gone down uh, on the eyes, but they need to take it down further. So I put, they put me on some new eye drops. So I've got um, new eye drops. I've got nighttime eye drop and then I've got daytime eye drops, which I take twice in the day. And these are called, I've got no idea actually, but it's, it's a little tiny bottle. I mean, it's a tiny bottle. It's obviously very, very precious, this stuff. And hopefully that'll uh, sort it all out once and for all. And then by the time I got home, which was gone six o'clock, I had to go to bed. And I was looking forward to having my, my chowder soup. Had it ch- and I never got round to doing it. So I'll have to have it today. But today, of course, you know, at 11 o'clock, it's bandage changing time. So off to the hospital again. And I've worked out how I can get there by bus. Because, I mean, cabs are so... I know they were talking about cabs with Darren overnight. But they're so expensive, cabs. You know, and if you're going to the hospital as many times as I am, it does start a uh, little scratch. Uh, it does start adding up a little bit, so I, I've sort of thought, no I'll, I'll do the bus this morning. I can go to Waterloo, pick up the bus there, which takes me <coughs> excuse me, to the hospital, and um, and then we get that done, and then it's, then it's the weekend as far as I'm concerned. It's like, woo-wee, hooray. love the weekend, and I should go and get the car because apparently the weather's going to be nice this weekend, so I'll go and get the car washed, probably tomorrow morning, I think, actually. I think that'll do. And uh, cause it's not been washed since I bought the bloomin' thing. It—I it, mean—I should have had it washed by now, but it—it it looks very, very clean. Uh, plus, the uh, the tacky old couple who had sex in a pizza shop. They're waiting for a pizza to be made, and they have sex in the shop. A couple of old tarts, ladies and gentlemen. One's a barmaid, and the other one's a builder. I mean, really, you know, they're—they're they're either just cheap, cheap, low-rent people. Or they haven't got any morals. But luckily they're, they're splashed, as they say, all over the papers today. He's, he's, I think he's, I can't work out if he was horrified or whatever. And uh, she works as a barmaid and obviously part-time sex addict. I mean, who in their right mind, you know, with the best will in the world, has sex in dominoes? I mean, you know, so you're waiting. It's a pizza shop. Work, they are slow, are they? Oh, right, OK. Yeah, but even so... To actually have sex in a shop must mean... You must be a right pair of old slappers. You know, whereas she's sort of... She's bleach blonde, you know, well, today. Like, tomorrow she could be anything else, really. And um, and you look at her and you think, that's fine. He's sort of a builder, so he just looks like he's up for anything. And, uh, and she's sort of... She must have been drunk. They both must have been drunk. But uh, anyway, uh, they're in court. Not in court. They're going to be, um, you know... They haven't decided what to do with them yet. I don't know whether you find somebody like that. If that was Dubai... They'd have been in prison for the rest of their lives. That would be it. But uh, over here we go, no. Oh, honestly, you know, look at her. If I was running the pub, she'd be out the door straight away. I'm sorry, love, you're fired. You're a slapper. I mean, how ridiculous, really. The mother's going, is that you in the papers? Right, you're out the will straight away. Uh, also, Amir's wife, this is Amir Khan. Dirty little boy, Amir. You know, the one who displays himself on the internet. He's done it, uh, all sorts of... Um, Things, anyway. Uh, she wants to save the marriage. He's not fussed because he's found somebody else already. He just puts it about all over the place. Uh, also, what was the other bit I quite like? Oh, that's right. The, you know the story from yesterday. They're now asking today: Is it acceptable? Is it acceptable to charge people to go to a wedding? Of course it's not. Of course you don't charge. Whole idea of the wedding is you go there and you partake of the free food and and the booze and you meet people and you take them in a present. I mean, I've heard of people before who go and nick presents. We've got a name for those people as well. Uh, who's the hot blonde on every red carpet? Ooh, who is she? She's called Kimberly Garner. No, nope, me neither, I'm afraid. I had no idea who she was, and I'm none the wiser. Uh, also, strictly come who? Ola and dreary James Jordan give their verdicts. Who would give verdicts to a failure pair? Who would be remotely interested? They're not even on the programme. They don't want them. She was past her sell-by, and he's just a nasty little piece of work. Uh, also, what was the other story that I quite liked? Oh, that's right. The, um, oh, Teddy Taylor died at the age of uh, 80. I quite liked him. He was a bit of a personality. And William G. Stewart died as well, the man behind 15 to 1. He was 84. We, we, we tend to forget. People get a little bit older. And um, shopper, oh, yeah, start dusting as well. Because the more exercise you do at home, the better it will be and you will live longer. That's what they say. I mean, all, they, all they're saying is do a bit of exercise. You know, I'm going to do some now. I'm going to pick up my cup. And I'm going to put it to my mouth and go... I have to do that because it's hot. I don't want to burn the top of my mouth at all. Uh, The city boss who says shopping, that's a woman's job. I love shopping. I must be a woman. I love going out shopping. I love walking around a supermarket. I haven't got as far as, you know, shopping trolley on wheels, but, I mean, it can't be that far away, can it? And a ripped poster for an early Rolling Stones concert has just sold at auction for 13000 quid, which means there must be... None of them in existent, the immigration checks on your bank account they 're going to check I think it's something like thirteen million bank accounts uh, If they suspect that you 're illegal, they will freeze your bank account and you will not get your money back at all because there must be loads of people we found We found a doctor in the papers today who owns that house where there's thirty four Romanians sleeping on mattresses, and, uh, and they go, oh, nothing was going on about it, Of course you did you're the landlord. You're the landlord, you must know about it. What th- People turn up and all these mattresses just appear out of nowhere. Anyway, it turns out they've got lots of other businesses. But uh, doctors, if you please. No end to it, isn't there really? And jellyfish. I was, we used to get a lot of jellyfish in Hong Kong. You're, not as many as you get now. When you get a swarm of jellyfish, there can be millions in a, in a swarm. I don't think they call it a swarm of jellyfish. You probably get them in Australia as well. That's why all the bloody Australians are over here. And, um, and, you, and you get loads of them. Some are little tiny ones. You get little baby Portuguese man-o'-wars. And then you get bloody great big, big ones, which have got tentacles that go down 30 feet. And you don't brush against them because it can bring you out in, I was tempted to say, in burns like this. <laughs> I, I could have been done by jellyfish. But they go to sleep. Did you know jellyfish go to sleep? It's like, have you ever seen that David Attenborough thing? Lobsters going across the bottom of the ocean floor, all hanging on to each other. They all hang on to the one in front, like elephants, you know, when you sort of grab onto the one in front's tail. Not seen that before? You've been to a zoo recently. You should go. It's good fun. You can see all sorts of things in a zoo. There's that woman in, is it Cardiff? Where she went to the, she's been to the zoo more than 2,000 times. And, um, was it it Birmingham or something like that? And she loves going to the zoo yeah, she went to do, she went to Dudley Zoo, and uh, the animals are going. Is that bloody woman again! has gone coming there anywhere, anywhere, anywhere near us? Anyway, they are given a free membership, which I think is quite a nice thing to do. And Ian Brady's last secret, um, the last secret is he left two suitcases which are locked. Well, open the bloody things! He's dead. Who cares? He's gone straight to hell. Nobody cares about Ian Brady. All this baloney. He was a convicted killer. Goodness sake! Honestly, I don't know why they get. And so they're making a big deal about him in the papers. Which is very, very odd. Uh, also, what was the other one? Actually, oh, the um, the fact that we don't recycle. I, I have to be honest. I've got to hold my hands up and tell you that I'm bad. I don't recycle. I'm not a recycling sort of person. I can't be bothered to sort of start putting newspapers and cardboard boxes and tin cans and brown bottles and green bottles and clear bottles and plastic bottles. I'm just, I just can't be bothered. I don't really care. The only thing we used to recycle years ago was saving the milk bottle tops because we thought we were saving up for a dog. And so under the sink, every time you took the, the, the cap off the bottle of milk, happy days, eh, Kevin? And and you'd wash it and then you'd put it in the bag and then somebody would turn that into money and they could buy a guide dog for the blinds. But uh, that was the only... Re- we never did any other recycling. Some, we have recycling bins at home, but I just I just don't use them. I leave it to other people who are obviously much better at that uh, that sort of thing. You can tell it's cold when the Australian starts wearing his beanie hat again. <laughs> it was cold this morning, actually. I was quite surprised. Oh, you've got your umbrella too. It's not going to rain. The weather's lovely. It's gorgeous out there. Sunbathing weather. It really is. Well, not quite a sun, You have to tell him that. To him, this must be a nightmare over here. Uh, and also the... What was the other one? Oh, yes. We found a four-foot carrot. Way! Oh, hey. Um, which is about the biggest carrot, I think we find... That's as tall as a six-year-old.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: See, have a nice week... Oh, sorry, I'm just saying, have a nice weekend. We just say that. It makes it sound like we're all social and stuff like that, you know. Well, not really. But you, you have to show interest with people. Because if you don't say to somebody, have a nice weekend, they they then go, oh, right, if you didn't wish me a nice weekend. And you think, yeah, all right, have a nice weekend. You always want... I always want people to have a good weekend. You know, because then, cause then they come in and tell me all about it on Monday. And mine, mine will be far more entertaining at the moment. I mean, my my days consist of just going to different hospitals, going to get prescriptions, catching buses, sitting there thinking. Who? Do? I mean, even the man who was doing the uh, the glaucoma test the other day, he said to me, he said, because uh, we were talking about burns and all the rest of it. And he said, how did you get burns? So I explained it. And uh, he said, you know, looking at you, he said, you'd never know that you had, you know, burns as serious as this. And so I'm not going out, you know. I've decided we are staying covered up and we're staying in. It's a lot safer until we've sort of gone for the skin grafts. I think so. Uh, there'll be no adventures out anywhere because all people do is say, "Oh, how did you do it?" And you have to. You end up repeating the same story. And then when I phone people up, they go, "Oh, I heard about this. And I saw the pictures on the uh, on the internet." And you know how. To... And so if I've told the story once, I feel like I should have a little button <laughs> you push the button, and uh, and it goes. So, it all started on a Saturday, and it becomes like Jackanory, you know, in, yes, if it, it, it'll be on the best of tomorrow morning, the, stu- the sad, sorry saga of Steve Allen's burnt arms, legs and stomach, not nice at all, so hopefully by the time I eventually start sort of seeing people outside of the business, then I shall, I shall look a little, bit, uh, a little bit better, well that's the idea that's the idea behind it. So that was yesterday. So yesterday was kind of written off. Today, I'm hoping that we finish, and we should get uh, a date as well for next week for the um, uh, the surgery to do the skin grafting. That'll be for uh, for next week. And um, uh, Mr. J says you've heard to David uh, Emanuel's uh, late wife, as opposed to ex-wife. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, she was his wife, and now she's his late wife. It depends whether you think, you know, late means she's arriving late or she's gone late. But no, she's his ex-wife. I, th- I mean, to be honest with you, I think you actually know what it is. You're just being a pedant. You know, you're just being... Are you twitching your curtains at home at the moment? Jane, Ooh, twitchy curtains. What are they doing next door? I think they're putting their rubbish out late at night so the foxes can get it. She's definitely not dead. Not as far as I know. <laughs> unless of course somebody all of a sudden comes in and says well you won't believe what's just happened uh, I can remember shopping with my nan customs have been greeted with how can I help you ducks and uh, using darling says Jade. I mean how dare they the trouble is it's it's you go round the country different people say different things and for somebody to go I shall never shop in Tesco's ever again well sod off then they couldn't give a stuff about you you were obviously somebody with a screw loose ridiculous uh, JP says I'm sending you lots of good wishes. Glad you're feeling better. 4am is much better hearing you. Well, listen, every, to each his own. Uh, to each his own. They did say to me when I went to get the bandages changed last time, "Were you listening to the person who was covering for you?" I said to be brutally honest, no. But it's only because I was I was going to bed a lot later and I was sleeping a lot later because if you if you listen to this program for any length oh, blimey, for any length of time, you know that a I don't do holidays. bi I'm um, I'm not one of these people who sort of. Uh, stays up late. You know, for me, a really, really late night I had when I was off for that week was 10 o'clock. And even I looked at the clock and went, blimey, it's 10. And I I then began to start over-panicking, thinking maybe I won't be (laughs) asleep. Wrong again. I climb into bed and I sleep. And I was talking to somebody the other day about sleeping and how easy it is to sleep and how easy it is, once you've got into a routine, to wake up early in the morning. Because I wake up early in the morning because I'm at work and because I've I've had my, my night's sleep... Um, You know, other people get up as well because there are people who are getting ready to go to work because this is actually good. You can get so much done in the daytime and the earlier you get up. I'm not saying you have to get up at stupid o'clock like me. I get up. at. I mean, last night was half past eleven. But then I sort of I sort of had my sort of semi stripped wash. Uh, you know, so I could wash my hair and stuff like that. Uh, But being very careful not to splash the shower on any of the dressings. So it's a case of kneeling over the bath. I mean, you remember that when you were a kid, don't you? mother said, put your head down, put your head down, and then gets a plastic jug and pours the water over your head. But very Actually, David Emanuel was saying the other day, he said, when he he first heard the programme, he didn't get it. You know, which a lot of people say to me, they say, I've heard the programme, they go, oh, you're so rude about people. And you think, no, I'm not, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. I never tell lies about people. I only ever tell the truth. And that's why, because people, you know, the usual question you get from people whenever we've done an audience with Steve Allen is, have you ever been sued? No, never. Never. Why? I've never lied about anybody. I've only ever told the truth. If I don't like somebody, that's not that's not an offence. You're allowed to not like somebody. If I say I'm bored with loose women because it's, it just turns into the dreary Katie Price program, you know, who drones on about her her sad existence with three failed marriages, and she asks Russell Brand the other day for marriage advice. The advice is everybody stay well clear of her. She's poison. She's absolute poison. If she hasn't realised by now that the problem is her, then there's something the matter with her, and so uh, that's that's called fair comment. You're allowed to, you know, people who actively seek publicity, people who sell every aspect of their life. They have no comeback at all, nothing. We actually, uh, we, we we found somebody some years ago, who was a bit of an old tart working on one of these um, shopping channels on the television, and I said, "God," I said, "She's rough. She's an old tart, isn't she?" And so she was on the phone immediately. How dare you? I'm a I'm a respectable person who sells stuff on the television luckily we found out otherwise we found out she'd worked for one of these channels where she disported herself so kind of shot her down in flames like the woman the other day people who do people who think they know but they don't get the facts right you know the woman who sort of books her wedding reception in for 130 guests and an 18 of them drop out because she's as boring as hell and they'd rather go and watch an irish football game and so she contacts the hotel to try and get the money back and the hotel goes no Why would you give your money back? Well, because 18 people aren't coming here. Well, that's your problem. It's not our problem. You've signed a contract with us. We have to make arrangements. We have to get staff in. We have to get the food prepared. They've got to, you know, all sorts of things. And so she then threatened them. Big mistake. Big mistake. It's like somebody said, you know, "I, I used to love it years ago. Before we had the internet... And before we had tweets and Twitter and all the social media which goes on now, people used to have to write letters. She so you could always tell if they were mad as a broomstick because it would be written in spidery writing, you know, and then start off a crayon. And, and you you could open up the envelope and there'd never be an address on it. So you immediately, you didn't even bother, you just threw it away. You know, if somebody doesn't have an address, you, you throw it away. And um, and so that was it. And, they, and they always say the same thing. And I speak for everybody as well I've spoken to. They don't like you either. And you think... You're a lonely, aren't you? That's the problem. You're all by yourself. You've got nobody else to talk to. So you have to pretend that you've got friends like the people who do horrible things to pets. And we find them and we name and shame them on this programme. I won't have anybody who who commits an act of cruelty like that nasty old bag who threw a cat in a wheelie bin. You know, luckily she was caught on camera and uh, named and shamed. You know, you have to name and shame. They've all got screws loose. They've got screws loose, like, you know, the tacky old pair who had sex in the, uh, in the pizza shop. They're a pair of old dogs. It's a simple... Nobody has sex in a pizza shop. You know, if you're a porno star, and to be honest with you, I mean, he doesn't look like he's up for much anyway, then, you know, go and do that. Don't do it in full view, because that's offending public decency. There are laws. Somebody walks past there and sees something like that, you know, you can go into Trauma bit like being burnt on a halogen oven. You go into trauma and then you tell people about it. It was like, you know, every day. I've, I've often wondered how it works and I've said it for years. How do the Beckhams get in the papers every single day? What have they achieved? Nothing. He played football donkeys years ago. Now he just advertises whiskey and pants and goes to the gym. He's, and, and then he puts his butch face on. And we all know he's a bit of a, a, bit of a wussy. And then she goes out in dark glo- She must have walked into more lampposts than anybody else. And they call her a designer. They call her a designer, but because she's got that name, Victoria Beckham, VB, they sort of go, oh, right, you can market that. So, in fact, without actually having too much, she can can be marketed by her agent, who must work overtime. You know, and then if you don't get them in the papers, then you get Harper, who got 10 out of 10 in a spelling lesson or something like that. But they share it with social media. They all do it. You know, here is Brooklyn. Brooklyn's got a girlfriend. Woo, hold the front pages. You know, and then you've got Romeo and Cruise. We don't, we don't really bother too much with Romeo and Cruise and uh, Harper only every so often, you know, because the Beckhams like to... They're a very, very private family, as we all know. <laughs> right. About as private as dreary old Jordan. About as private as dreary old Kerry Katona. About as private as Daniela Westbrook. You know, I mean, honestly, you ask yourself... Every, every sort of so often they throw up another lame duck... You know, we, we've we had them all, people who go, well, you know, what do you do for a living, darling? Model. And then they put them on, you know, the I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Well, they're running out of ideas. They can't find people for the X Factor who can sing. They have to start trawling overseas. They can't find people for Britain's Got Talent because we haven't anymore. They've used them all up, so they go to European circuses, find somebody who juggles or balances on their willy or something. You know, all sorts of strange things, you know, that, that people don't really go, oh, that's great. And you think, But they're nothing to do with Britain. Nothing to do with Britain at all. They're just people who do these things for you know. And here's here's somebody who plays an organ, and they put it's it's the funniest thing you've ever seen. He's on he's playing an organ. He obviously works in a music shop, which he does actually. I know that. And he obviously people come in. and go, well, I'd quite like to buy this organ. So he does a demo on the organ, and he was doing it the other day, and he was he was very good. It's on it's on YouTube. You can't miss it. But he grins inanely. He's a bit creepy. And so somebody goes, stop, stop, stop. Um, can we just hear you singing and playing the organ? And so he goes into this bit again where he was and then he goes into La Bamba. la 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 bamba And, of course, everybody falls about laughing. It's, I mean, it's Alicia Dixon laughs her socks off, David Walliams laughs his socks off, and it's really funny. Whether it's a career, I don't know. As a novelty act, it's fine. But I just don't know whether or not something like that is a career. But he was certainly entertaining. And some of them are very good. Then they bring on little children. What's you know, Or, or they, they ask them the same thing. So what's the dream? Well, the dream is quite clearly to win the show, but then half of them haven't got any talent for that. And they put people on there and they go, okay. and you know that they're padding out a programme, but it is a programme. It's a made for television programme. It's there so that you you sort of watch it. They have to keep you watching a programme. I mean, sometimes, you know, we had somebody the other day. It was another bullied child at school on this morning. So that's the second day running that they've done a bullied child. You could probably spend every day of the week doing bullied children, but this one was different because he was gypsy. And he claimed he'd been the teacher refused to teach him because he was gypsy. I've never heard of such a thing. I mean seriously I've never heard of it. If you put a child into class, I mean to be honest with you, it's fairly rare to find gypsy children in schools anyway, because they don't they don't do school. They don't most gypsy children grow up not able to read or write. And, you know, dispute that if you like, but that's a hard fact. We know that because we've seen it on the programme. And so to actually find a kid who went to school and the teacher said, I'm not going to teach you, I thought was really odd. It was very bizarre. And then people threatened to punch his lights out, whereas normally it's the other way round, I thought. (laughs) I didn't didn't realise it worked the other way. And then the day before we had that girl who was bullied by the other girl. I'd have named and shamed the other girl. You know, we've got to stop this. But that's what they do to fill programmes now. They put on people who've been bullied. You know, in the school playground. So it starts at a very early age. But kids are cruel; they've always been like that. It was pretty. We probably had bullying at my school, but to be honest with you, I, I don't actually remember it. I mean, there were kids who were known as as the bullies, but you just didn't bother with them because they were a bit simple. I'd have had a field day with them now. God, I should have lashed them with my tongue.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. 25 to 5. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Friday. Yeah, I love Friday. I'll try to get very excited about it. Uh, thank you very much indeed to Sheila for the uh, for the bus advice. So, do you know, honestly, I'm, I'm going to have to start a little card of where, which hospital I'm going to and which bus I have to take, where the pharmacy is. And uh, how I can... I could be like a secret shopper for the NHS. You know, because yesterday, I mean, because I said we were running a bit late... And uh, and then we started doing all the things because you have to they have to check you a million times to make sure you are the same person who came in the last time round. Kevin, the milkman says, happy days indeed, Steve. We still sell 50,000 pints of milk a week in glass bottles from the dairy. That'll keep any blue Peter appeal going for a while. How has the milk situation been at global? I've not heard you mention the lack of milk. No, we're uh, we're we're way over and above it. There's always loads of milk these days. I don't know why. It's because, well, you know, ever since we had the gold top. I have, I've only had it on a couple of occasions, that gold top milk, which is it's like drinking liquid cream. But because of the amount of calories in it, it's, it's a restrictive item in my, in my book. But, but it was delicious. Kevin brought in, because we had no milk one morning, so he sent in some normal milk in glass bottles, and then we had the big bottle of gold top milk, which is it's the creamiest milk what was the what was the slogan? The creamiest milk, the whitest bar, the goodness that's in Milky Bar. The Milky Bars are on me. That's what they used to say. This poor little kid, the Milky Bar kid, is strong and tough, and only the best is good enough. Creamiest milk, the whitest bar, the goodness that's in Milky Bar. And uh, and we used to watch it, and it goes Nestle's Milky Bar, and then it changed to Nestle. Didn't quite work, did it? Nestle Milky Bar, and all the kids, and it used to be a big thing to be the Nestle's Milky Bar kid. That was that was the thing they wanted to be. They always had to be. You know, they always looked like Tristram, was it, from um, the George and Mildred programme who live next door, who didn't wear glasses. It was like Deirdre in Coronation Street. She never wore glasses. Just We were so used to seeing her with them. When you saw her without them, you went, oh, you don't wear glasses, which is very odd. But uh, no, we're, we're doing very well, Kevin. Nice to know that you're uh, looking forward to the weekend, as indeed I hope you uh, all are. So we'll have a couple of little uh, clips a little bit later on uh, from In Conversation this week. Which is, uh, which is, I mean, really, really lovely, actually. You're, you're, you're going to love both of them. They're really, really good. Uh, Dell says, have you seen Noel Edmonds' new show? I don't like it. I don't like it. i tell you which bit I don't like. I'll tell you which bit I don't like. I don't mind the valuing something, because that's like taking a bit of the prices right. That's good. Who are these blooming characters who keep wandering in and saying, oh, I, I won't Go away. Go away, you're not funny, you're not interesting. I understand where it's coming from, but it just does not work on that programme. They've got one bloke there, and he hasn't, he's hardly got any teeth, and he pops in and goes, I, I, I were doing that, oh well. I'm thinking, I'm sorry, what are you doing here? You're just holding up the show, unless it's a very thin show that they're, they're dragging out. But, uh, and I love Noel Edmonds. Love Noel. I worked with Noel Edmonds. I thought, you know, great admirer of Noel. Him and his funny phone calls from years ago, and you know, he sort of he set a benchmark as far as I was concerned. And I thought he was he was brilliant. You know, there are loads of people over the years that sort of that radio throws up in the nicest possible way, and uh, and they they become icons. People years ago in my day it was Roger Scott, not because of his presentational. Skills, but because you wanted to sound like Roger Scott, it was all like that kind of. It was that kind of doing You tended to forget that was that was what he sounded like. And then people wanted to sound like Tony Blackburn, sensational, you know. And it was all it was that kind of thing. And then when I started in radio back in about 1970, <coughs> frozen to death, I um I didn't really have a, a style. And somebody said to me, I remember somebody saying to me when they they sort of did one of these, you know, listening back to the program, and they said, why don't you just be yourself? I went, hmm, I'm sure about that. Because I'd come from the world of uh, of disc jockeying and clubs uh, in the days when I spoke and everybody else just mixed records. I wasn't very good at doing things like that. And so I spoke. It kind of covered up my inability to do anything else. And somebody said, just be yourself. Because the more yourself you are on the radio, the more chance there is of actually getting an audience. I said, do you reckon? And they went, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because then people identify with people and then they understand exactly where you're coming from whereas if you're sort of and so if you listen to my very first LBC program which please god you never will but I do have it on tape it's the very first LBC reports midnight with Steve Allen sounding butch and when i say sounding butch i was i was trying to keep up the sort of the, the sort of butch and uh, in other news coming and i because that's what i thought news readers were supposed to be and and then i suddenly realized when somebody said look you know be be yourself be yourself. Use your own voice. Don't don't put on a voice. <laughs> the news team were all listening to one clip from this morning's show on repeat. Kick off your heels. Get your boobies out. Here we go. <laughs> the new slogan. Get your boobies out. <laughs> that was like my expression the other day. With all due respect to everybody listening, you know, describing Victoria Beckham as a broomstick with tits was probably not the best description we've ever had. But it was very funny at the time. Because that's the thing nowadays, isn't it? You know, and it isn't done... You know, years ago, they had things called shock jocks, and I never quite understood what a shock jock was, unless it was somebody who just said something so ludicrous that you went, ''Are you just saying that for some sort of effect?'' And, and I suddenly realised that I didn't want to be a shock jock. I didn't know what I wanted to be, actually. I had no idea what sort of radio presenter. And somebody said, you know, are you smooth and mellifluous voice? You know, can you do that? No, but I've got a very distinctive voice. People will hear my voice and go, I've heard that. I've heard you before. I've heard your voice before. And so everybody gets, I'm, n- I'm never known for my looks. <laughs> Sorry, because I don't have any looks. I'm not, You know, that's what they say. Great face for radio, which is good. Have you seen Super Vets? says Claire? Yep. And uh, Noel Fitzpatrick is brilliant. Yeah, I have seen it. God knows how much he charges. One thing you never see on that programme is a bill. You'll never see a bill. I want to know. I nearly got out of David Emanuel how much Diana's dress costs, but he never discusses things like that. That would be just rude to ask. But you, I'm curious. I'm curious to know exactly what a dress like that would cost and whether or not you charge for it. But we actually go into all of that. You'll hear it on the interview. We've got a little clip for you a little bit later on. Um, and then you can you can hear what it, what it's going to be like. It's great, actually. It was a really really good chat. In fact, when we finish, is it is it finished? And I said yes. He said it goes by so quickly, and it does. It was it was really good. So both you know, brilliant uh, Hugh Her- Fernley uh, Whittingstall as well with his book, uh, which is all about veggies. And then David, who's uh, Christmas here, and then he's off to Australia because he sells jewelry over there on one of their uh, channels. I mean, as busy as ever, as busy and still loves it. Still loves it. So I'm glad that he found the time to, uh, to come in. I said, you can come in any time you like. Pop back here when you come back from Australia. More than happy. Uh, more turbulence as Ryanair pilots refuse to cancel their holidays. They're, they're not interested in the, you know, I'll give you 12,000 quid if you cancel your holidays. They, they're not interested. 12 grand is nothing to a pilot nowadays. Uh, also... Uh, there's a certain pub you can go into and you can gift free drinks to somebody. Provided you've got the pub's name and the table number, they can send free drinks. So this bloke or somebody put up on the internet where he was and could you send him a free drink? He got inundated with free drinks, people offering free drinks, which I thought was uh, was quite, uh, quite nice. Also, um, is it ever acceptable to charge wedding guests? No, of course it's not. It's bad enough you have to take a blooming present because most people, by the time they get to the wedding, they've been shacked up for ages. They don't need anything. Years ago, people built up what they called, in my day, a bottom drawer. And you put, you know, you had a toaster and this. And so you had the basics of modern life. You know, we'd like a kettle, we'd like some glasses, we'd like... Now you look at somebody's wedding list, they go, our wedding list is with Harrods. And you go, well, it'll be staying there, won't it? And you phone up and you go, is there anything inexpensive? Well, the towels have gone... Okay, flannels. Do they need flannels? And it's all—it's all those sort of things. People put down a wedding list, and so people then sort of tick it off. Yeah, you know, I prefer to go and buy some. I bought people for a few on a few occasions. These—it's um, a Shirovsky, um picture frame. It's about one hundred and seventy pounds, so it's quite an expensive gift. You know, you've got to know somebody really well for that. And um, what's the cheekiest gift? Nothing. I I don't. I can't think of anything like that. I did buy somebody their honeymoon once. I bought somebody a honeymoon to Lake Como in Italy, which I thought I know. And then it rained. It because it rains Italy. Lake Como, it rains. There's a certain season it rains. And just remember, the Italian rating for hotels is different from ours. So over there, a three star. Over here will be a two star or a one star. It's it's a very odd rating system, but uh, it rained in Lake Como. That's why people only go there for a short short period of time. But it's very beautiful, as indeed the lakes are. But then I spoke to somebody the other day. Who did I speak to? Sand? No, it wasn't Sandra. Uh, oh God, who was it? I can't remember. Somebody just come back from Croatia, and they said it was beautiful. And I said, well, you know, people don't go to Croatia, but they're now starting to because they've seen it on the television, and it's it's absolutely it's, there's some beautiful places. Absolutely beautiful place. And of course, the you've got, to, you've got to watch it because the prices are creeping up. So they're not as cheap as you think they are. Uh, the Heath Inquiry. This is after some bloke came forward called Nick. We know no more about him. Uh, and he made all these allegations that he'd seen Edward Heath uh, creating, you know, satanic things over dead babies and all the rest of it. The biggest load of baloney. The police swallowed it. I seriously couldn't actually get my head around the fact whether or not the police have completely lost all sense of reality. But they've now, the Home Office, have chucked in 1.5 million quid or 1.1 million pounds to try and get to the bottom of this. Why this bloke has not been charged with wasting police time? You seriously think a former Prime Minister, who's got security with him all the time, is responsible for the deaths of children? What sort of sick person are you? Uh, Also, uh, I said Teddy Taylor died. I always remember Teddy Taylor. He was 80, I think. And um, I quite liked him. I didn't know anything about him. I think he was the MP for South End. I'm pretty certain. And uh, he died peacefully with his uh, family. He was also Shadow Secretary of State for Scotland. That's right. Rochford and South End East up until 97. And um, he was succeeded by James uh, Dudrich. 2005, he left office but uh, born in Glasgow I used to love him actually he was, I, I quite liked him I'm not, I'm not a political person as you've probably gathered if you've listened to this programme you know I like what I like so it doesn't matter whether they're Labour, Conservative, Lib Dem or anything else although I was watching Question Time last night which turns into bear baiting and uh, they had um, uh, Vince Cable on there and some little person in the audience was complaining about charging for universities and all he kept saying was, go and apologise to me apologise to me and I'm thinking oh shut up shut up, why should he apologise to you? Oh, because it was all about, you know, how much debt you're going to end up with. You know, at the end of the university, whereas in Scotland they get it all for free and then Labour have said that they will sort of do away with that and you're, where they're going to find £11 billion from, God alone knows, but that, that's something they have to deal with afterwards. And uh, But it was this bloke who, who kept saying to, to Vince, you know, go on, apologise to me. Apologise to me for what what's going to happen. Apologise to me. It's their little big moment and he, he was a little bloke he was a little bloke, you know, and, but it was, it was sort of interesting the way he kept saying it. If I'd been Vince kebb said, oh, shut up, sit back in your chair, we'll plug it in for you. You know, do us all a favour. Why did they put teeth in your mouth? Seats would have been better. You know, that, that kind of thing. It was just, it turned into bear baiting. And then they all started arguing on the panel, and that's when you have to go, shut up, I can't hear what you're saying. It was bad enough yesterday at the hospital. Because at the end of the room where you're all sitting, they 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 split you at the hospital when you go in there and you're waiting. You've got an appointment, and so there's one side of the room on the right and on the left hand there's the. I wish I'd sat on the right because on the left hand side at the very bottom of it, and it's not a huge room, there is a room with toys in for children to keep the little kiddie winks happy, and parents who are deaf uh, sit there while their child screams the place down and plays with. But one of them had an aeroplane that kept making. Like that. And it went on for about a minute and a half. So every time a nurse came out, and there's a, a steady progression of nurses coming So you, you can't hear what they're saying because of these blooming children down the end of the corridor. Why they weren't in a soundproof room with the door shut. It was like, have you noticed that a lot of bus drivers now, you'll get somebody getting on a bus with sort of a push chair, or as I prefer to call it, the double buggy. And they get on there, and the driver obviously looks at them and goes, right, would you please remain with your buggy for the safety of your child? And one woman yesterday pointedly ignored it. I felt like saying, did you understand what he was saying? Stay with your buggy. You know, but she had to sit down because she was on her phone. You know, some people are just ignorant. But uh, we had all these kids screaming and everything else. I mean, when kids scream, they scream. We had one on the bus going in there. The mother's just standing there, just looking. And I'm thinking, can't you keep your kid quiet? Shove a lollipop in its mouth or something like that. When they got off the bus, everybody breathed a sigh of relief. We were all breathing a sigh of relief every time one of these kids had to go into one of these rooms to be examined for, for eye defects or whatever it happened to be. Because, you know, fancy putting a kid's room in there. And the parents didn't do it. They just sat there. Parents must be deaths nowadays. They really must be. They don't hear anything at all. Just, so anyway... So, so, so. <clears throat> Sorry, I can't even do it. I upset myself then. <laughs> 84850, UK. Have I had the break or not? No, I didn't think I had. I just... I see. I want, I can't help it. You have to just accept the fact that with this early breakfast show, because it's early breakfast, it's kind of flexible. It's like, you know, will we get boiled eggs and eggy soldiers or will we have sort of beans? Somebody in the office the other day had something really nice for breakfast because they were suffering with a little bit of a, let's just call it a hangover, shall we? And what did they have? They had scrambled egg on toast with beans on top. It looked quite nice, actually. Thinking about it now, it looked revolting, but it's nor- it's a northern thing, isn't it? I know. I'll tell you who it is in a minute. <laughs> It'll be a northern person. You're listening
0: to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Seven minutes to five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Friday, so you're allowed to sort of jump up and down and wave your knickers in the air, as St. Cecilia said, in that hit single all those years ago, uh, because it's Friday. And Friday we like, we love Friday because it's the start of the weekend. And for me, it's like sort of, it's, it's the only time I get a week it's a week, a day and a bit off. But then today, because I've got the hospital at 11, I'm hoping I'm going to be out by, by 12. Probably with a little date as well for next week for the uh, for the skin graft. Uh, Steve, ask Kevin, can you still get sterilised milk, says Debbie. I don't know. I've got no idea. Why would you want sterilised milk? Isn't all... No, that's pasteurised, isn't it? What What's the difference between pasteurised and sterilised? I can't remember what, what the difference is nowadays. And um, I can't remember why you'd want sterilised milk. But in the back of my mind, it... It's bringing up an image of sterilised milk. And I can't remember why I'm thinking sterilised milk. What sort of people would have it? As opposed to pasteurised, which is, you know, the normal stuff. Do you know in certain parts of the country, they've got farms uh, where you can go and put your jug underneath and you can get fresh milk out of a machine, which is lovely. So it does destroy. So market milk, that's pasteurised. It does kill all the cells of bacteria and virus does kill about 90%. So sterilised milk, it should destroy all living systems except for medical need. Like immune compromised persons milk is not sterile for regular use. The one we get in the store is called, ah, that's ultra high temperature, UHT treated milk. And that's heated to 302 degrees Fahrenheit. There you go. I don't know, actually. I don't know if Kevin would um, would know about that. Well, I mean, he probably knows what it is, but whether he sells it or not, I've got no idea. We shall hear about uh, it very quickly. Ken says, as I was having my coffee in bed, your description of Victoria Beckham had me laughing so much, I spilt the coffee all over the bed clothes, and now I've got to remake the bed. That's right, blame it on me. Poor innocent presenter. Kick him when he's down, those poor diabetics. Chris Oop North says, the bloke with no teeth on The Noel Show is Barry from Watford. Oh, that one. That's the one I remember. That's uh, comedian actor Alex Lowe. He says, of course, when I say comedian, <laughs> the show is, it's just not necessary on the programme. It, it, it really isn't. But there again, if you take that out and you take those so-called comedic efforts out of the programme, you're left with just one section of The Price is Right. Uh, Alex Lowe did do a character in Phoenix Nights, which I think was based on Derek Cora. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, I'm getting... Vo- oh, God, those voices are coming through to me now. I can't believe it. Here's my spirit guide, you liar. Honestly, how can you ever prove anything like that? And the answer is you can't, of course. You know, and Derek Okor always looks like he's, uh, he's, you know, not really in the same world as the rest of us. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, uh, a lot of other people are saying thank you. I'm glad that you're uh, on the mend. And uh, somebody says, I occasionally wake up early enough to catch the end of your show, but I'm currently driving from Newcastle. Uh, to Newcastle from London, make the drive a little bit easier. Yeah, I'm sorry, you have to pay extra if you're driving out of the capital. People coming into the capital get it for free, but uh, you really should have made an arrangement with the finance department to try and sort that out, because you're not allowed to just listen to this programme and enjoy its comedic aspects, if indeed there are any comedic aspects. Steve, the season in Italy where it rains a lot, isn't it winter by any chance? No? No, it's, it, it rains most of the time at Lake Como. It's got one of the highest rainfalls. Terrible. Uh, somebody's on the M25 going to work at Gatwick. Don't be ridiculous, Ross. Nobody goes to work at Gatwick. People just go there to park your car in a field. Says, I have a habit of buying people garden gnomes for wedding gifts. What? One couple lived on the third floor. Oh, well, you know, I don't see a problem with that. You can live on the third floor. You might have a little balcony. You could put a gnome on it. There's something about gnomes, isn't there? you know years ago they were sort of they were quite we we when we when we did a comp when we did five's company we had a couple on from ireland and he he dressed up as a toadstool so his legs were the stalk but he had fake legs over the top of the of the mushroom and he sat there with a the little green hat on and they did a, him and his wife did a little dance dressed as as gnomes but he was so it was like Bernie, Bernie Clifton with the, with the emu kind of... Not the emu, whatever it was, I can't remember. And it was a similar thing, and he did it with, with a toadstool. And his legs were the central bit, and then he was, it looked as though he was sitting on top of it with these fake legs over the side. And they did, hi, diddle dee <laughs> A gnome's life for me. Something like, it was something like that. We, we did have security on. They came on a few times, actually. <laughs> I don't know why. Somebody says, when, when do you sleep? Well, generally, when I'm, when I'm in bed. I wanted to do it while I was driving, but it put the fear of God into passengers. So I don't do that now. I just, um, I just sort of climb into bed and gone, gone, gone. I'm very lucky. Actually, I was talking to my friend um, uh, upstairs, Mike. Who you remember, Mike? Mike's the one with the diabetes that is worse than mine. The other day, 26. Is his? I mean, seriously. I thought my mine was bad at 19, and we were we were talking about things like that. And he said, "I'm the same as you." He said, "I hit hit the bed." He said, "Gone." And I, I said, I, I have no trouble sleeping whatsoever. You know, pe- people get very jealous of, uh, of people like me and Mike who can climb into bed and are out for the count because, you know, some people lie there and they go, oh, I can't sleep. And then you get... And the more, the more frustrated you become, the more you can't sleep. Whereas me, I don't think I've ever, ever climbed into bed and lay there going, I'm just never going to sleep. I think that's when you get overtired. producer was awake till 1 p.m., Yesterday, got home at eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Five hours later, still lying there. Perhaps you need to go and get some sleeping tablets from the uh, from 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 the doctor. Sorry, down here. But the trouble is with sleeping tablets. If you're going to get, and I had them when I uh, because you work night. It'd be good because once you got into the habit of sleeping, then you'll be you'll be fine. I promise you. But uh, you don't want to rely on sleeping tablets for the rest of your life that'd be very so I used to take I used to think if if you had a sleeping tablet they were little blue tablets I thought and they gave you eight hours you take it I could feel myself going now I mean I haven't had a sleeping tablet in hundreds of years but I thought if you then took half a sleeping tablet you got four hours (laughs) how dumb was I Uh, David Emmanuel says good morning fabulous time with you yesterday I think we could still be chatting now in conversation we could it was it finished far too quickly didn't it I mean it was it was really really good so what we'll do this morning we've got a little taster only about a minute or so of David Emmanuel talking about all sorts of things. we talk about couture we talk about dresses reality shows the famous clients that he's dressed and he has dressed some really really famous people really famous people but we never taught money but he has a, a show as you know which is out on the television at the moment, which is looking at brides. Oh, God, is that the time already? I completely forgot about that. So we have to take a short break for the, uh, for the news at uh, five o'clock. And so uh, the other side of that, we'll take more of your texts and emails. Sorry to move away from you, David. How rude. How rude. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about the, uh, the strangers treating that lad to all his free drinks. Uh, the food safety watchdog, who won't name individual supermarkets when they report contaminated chicken. The Heath Inquiry, they've given it £1.1 million. I've never had such a load of baloney on my, my entire life. The Ryanair pilots refusing to cancel their holidays. And uh, the shoppers. You'll have to pay more for orange juice after the hurricane. And why is the catwalk suddenly full of celebrity offspring? Everywhere you go, celebrity offspring. And they're not all attractive. We name and shame. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Four minutes past five. It's Friday, the 22nd of September 2017. At Steve Allen's early breakfast. And uh, at least we've reached the weekend. I mean, the exciting, exciting time for me is having the bandages changed again. <laughs> Poor old David Emanuel and everybody else. I had to keep explaining to people, uh, especially to Hugh Fernley-Whittingstall, who do, didn't know about the burning sensations. I was telling him about that. Actually, it's coming along quite nicely, as they say. I'm, I'm sort of toasty-toasty. Kevin says, we still stel- sell sterilised milk, nowhere near as much as we used to. It's not produced in England anymore. Ours comes from Germany. It was the original UHT milk boiled in the bottle to kill off the bacteria and has a very unique taste to it. Uh, some, apparently, wait a minute, some, oh, how can I not get there? Some pensioners still use it, harking back to a time when people didn't have fridges to store fresh milk in. Good for making custard, he says. So is it is UHT long-life milk? Is that what it is? I'm assuming that's what it is. Debbie says, my other half, uh, Paul, used to love the taste of sterilised milk. Ah, right. Jill in Glasgow says, Sainsbury's sell sterilised milk. And uh, love you. Uh, And William says, uh, save the pretense. We love you and your show is full of comedic satisfaction. Keep up the good comedic satisfaction. I don't even know what comedic satisfaction is. I'm just a humble radio presenter. I feel sorry actually for people nowadays because it's such a, when I started in the business, it was sort of, it was a lot easier to get into. Now it's terribly competitive. I mean, it really is competitive. There's so many people who think, oh, I'd love to do that. That, that sounds like a, a good way to make a living and a good way to entertain people and a good way to actually have a, have a nice time. For me, it's fitting things in. That's the problem. As you get a little bit older, you have to start. I have to start being a bit more selective. My, my boss is a bit keen on sort of, you know, if, if it's if it's too, you tell me if it's too much or whatever. I said, I'll tell you, don't worry, don't worry, I'll tell you. <laughs> so, you know, you have to sort of look after people now. You have to you have to treasure people more. because So many people want to come into the business and so few make it. I don't know what the what the sort of statistics are, but I, I know that for every one person who's employed, there's about 10 people chasing a job in radio. Some make it, some people don't make it. You know, some people go into the business for the wrong reason. I think if you go into the business to be famous, I think that's wrong. I think you go into the business you might become infamous or famous or whatever it happens to be, but it's purely through through luck as opposed to you doing anything in particular. It, it depends if people take to you. And so that's why you get some people who work on radio and everybody absolutely adores them. I mean, Everybody adored Terry Wogan. He might not have been the best presenter in the world, but he had a unique style. And that's what you have to do in radio. You've got to adopt your own style. And so mine came years ago from, you know, not having any budget on the programme, having to fill it with the newspapers. So we were doing the newspapers back in Goff Square days. But time I used to get the Sunday newspapers in, I used to devour. I could spend an hour on one newspaper, it was, it was the easiest thing in the world for me to just sort of talk about the stuff that was in there. Nowadays, of course, I mean, there isn't really enough stuff in the newspapers to fill up programmes, but we seem, we seem to do quite well. You know, you look at this um, this birthday boy who was bombarded with free pub drinks and food by strangers via an app. Uh, student Nick Matthewman got the first of 80 quid's worth of handouts shortly after a friend made a plea to well-wishers on Twitter. So what he actually got, he ended... So you could do this. Once you knew the pub and the table number, then you can, you can gift on this app. He ended up with eight glasses of milk. Eight glasses of milk. Pint of John Smith's, bottle of Prosecco, two non-alcoholic bottles of Beck's, two fruit shoots, pot of crispy onions. Pot of crispy... Ooh, that's crispy onions! Pot of barbecue sauce, pot of blue cheese sauce, jug of curry sauce, plate of peas, bowl of ice cream and a Jager bomb. Eighty quids worth there. Eight glasses who gives eight glasses of milk? Mind you, I don't have a problem with eight glasses of milk at all if I, I quite like it. Especially if it's that nice stuff that Kevin does. Phil Vickery, good morning, Steve. Morning, Phil. We used to have sterilized milk in a can that we used to shake, he says, and then we used to, to pour it over things. Oh right. You see, I, d- I never thought about that. You put, pour it over canned fruit salad, so that was sterilized cream that wasn 't condensed milk, was it am I t- Am I talking about something? because you used to get this sterilized sterilized cream in a can, which i don 't remember. I can remember condensed milk, and I can remember evaporated milk, which we used to pour over fruit salad. We thought it was it was the very the very height of decadence. We thought it was the height of luxury because what you'd do is you 'd eat the fruit and then you 'd stir. This sort of milky, creamy thing into into the juice that was left, and that was and that was a bit nice. <laughs> we used to do that all the time. But sterilised cream was this before fr- was this before fridges, as they say, They're like sort of anno domini, you know, before fridges. Uh, Amazon primed in the paper today the ninety five pound nail bomb kit on Amazon, and uh, Amazon did nothing to halt the purchase or alert officials. Um, they bought. In one single order for £95 and they've, uh, they've put it in the paper today to show you exactly uh, what they got for their money. And they bought a pressure cooker, chemicals and uh, a clock and a few other bits and pieces and nails which you can put in there to make a nail bomb. In fact all bought on Amazon a lethal bomb kit and, um, and nobody said a word. No, nothing was raised, no subject was raised at all for all this stuff. And they're, they're curious as to why. The net giant has been branded the terrorist friend. I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't know where you where you go to buy this stuff anywhere. I suppose all they've done is just basically tell people what you can buy on the internet now. But if you go to the dark web, you can buy everything I should imagine you ever wanted. You can probably buy stun guns. You can buy, you know, well, just about anything, really. So I can't say I'm surprised, but at the same time... I am a bit surprised and shocked. The couple facing jail for, uh, for public... Um, well, anyway, um, doing naughty things. And here they are. Daniela Hurst, bit of an old, uh, old tart. And Craig Smith, another bit of an old tart. The bloke is making their uh, pizza while they're, uh, while they're messing around. And as I say, she looks like she'd be that sort of person who wanted to have um, a sex romp in Domino's. I mean, to be honest with you. He's, uh, uh, Hurst said afterwards, I'm fuming. She thinks so too. A pair of old tarts, actually. I don't know why. I mean, I would bar you from every Domino's under the sun. She should have lost her job straight away. I think they were going for thick crust pizza I can't remember which one they were going for. But either way, I'm sure they got what they wanted. Especially with of extra topping, hot and spicy. Take her away! And uh, and also uh, stuffed thrust. I think you'll find that uh, all of that was contained there. There's some woman whose goldfish has grown beyond all belief. And they've... Yeah, they, they they might have got the garlic bread. Unfortunately, I didn't get the garlic bread. But, you know, all to do with part of my weight loss programme. Uh, the girl of ten who's found and landed the UK's biggest goldfish at 5 pounds Um It was dumped in a lake. It obviously out, outgrew its fishbowl by many, many times. And so she she landed it. Her dad says we were smiling from ear to ear. I mean, it's a huge... It looks like it's something you'd find in an outdoor pool because you know that if you have a goldfish and you put it in an outdoor pool, they grow to the size of the pool. When I say they grow to the size, I mean, quite clearly, not six foot by four foot, but they grow in proportion to the pool that they're in. If you keep them in a bowl, they'll stay that same small size. We had them in an outside. Ours grew enormous until they were taken by the heron. Remember I told you, I walked out one morning, and there is the heron, this grey thing with the piercing eyes. It had spread its wings over our pond so it could see exactly where they were and just ate the lot. It must have thought it was like Cordon Bleu Day, because it devoured everything. Uh, the packed semi-exclusive, here they are. Here they are, the migrants' house, the Romanians packed in there. I think there was something like 30 of the 35. And here is the doctor's house, the family's £1.5 million pad. And uh, these Romanian men ate to a room in slum conditions. Neighbours claim the tenants each pay 250 quid a month for a mattress on the floor. That would net the landlords, who are the Hathi family, £105,000 a year in rent. Hope they're paying tax. They live in a six-bedroom house three miles away. Brent Council raided the rented property following complaints. And in fact, to actually get more people in, they put up a gazebo in the garden. Apparently, they said they came on a bus from Romania. They're labourers who head to the local retail park very early to get work. The Hathi family could face a fine and criminal record if taken to court. Quite clearly, they're not very pleasant when you cram 35 people in. They've got various other businesses. They're always bragging on the internet about what they've got. Not after this, I shouldn't think. This brings shame on them completely. Orange juice. Do you know, I can't remember the last time I drank orange juice. I used to drink orange juice all the time. All the time, before I was diabetic, before I knew I was diabetic, and I used to love it. Ice cold, and I'll tell you which one it was, it was that one that had fruit bits in it. And it was delicious. Ice cold from the fridge, and it was just, ugh. And I can remember going to, uh, to my neighbour Chris and Sharon's wedding, and uh, I was getting very hot. So I didn't know I was diabetic. I had orange juice, which of course made me worse. And I was sweating profusely, although if you watch the, the the video back, I don't look as though I'm sweating profusely, I look quite good actually. And um, and it, it was really interesting, but now orange juice, I've not had it for years, I've never, I haven't bought orange juice in about 15 years. I haven't drunk orange juice, which is a shame really, because I used to love a glass of orange juice. I can't have that and I can't have grapefruit juice either, very bad. So many things we're not supposed to have, Mike, poor old Mike and me. We just... uh, And loads of other diabetics listening to this programme, many of whom write in and go, so what are you eating at the moment? And I go, well, I'm eating, you know, normal stuff, just for certain things that are off-limits. You know, I will have some Kentucky Fried Chicken at some point, but literally about once every four months, five months. So it's, you know, nothing on a regular basis. And, you know, the other day I had an apple turnover, which is just sort of like sort of pastry, like a a sort of pastry kind of thing, uh, very thin with... um, with some apple in there and some cream, and it was delicious. And I didn't feel ill afterwards. I thought I would have done. Normally I can tell if I've had the wrong thing. You know, it it reacts with me quite, quite badly.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Sheila says Steve sterilised milk used to come in a long, thin bottle with, like, a beer bottle top, and it tasted like carnation milk. Don't say it anymore, though. I liked it, but my mum wouldn't have it. Yes, I mean, I vaguely remember as well... One of these beer bottle tops on something like that. But, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you what it tasted like. Is this the, So, sterilised UHT, which is ultra-heat-treated, which goes up to 300 degrees or whatever it is. And people had it because it was what we called long-life milk. So, in other words, if you were a poor student and you couldn't afford milk to keep going out of date, you would buy long-life milk and it would last for what seemed like ages. You could use it in Nigella's recipe. She's got some great new recipes out. Wow, has she got some... Re- Listen... Take Steve Allen's word for it. She is doing a recipe. Come closer. Come closer. She's doing one this time round. She's got three in there that I'm loving, really loving. One of them is, you might not have heard of this before, because uh, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's the kind of thing, you might have heard of it, whether or not you've actually put it together, I don't know. It's called, well, this is one of Nigella's recipes, mashed potato. I have you heard of such a thing? Have you heard of, what, what it is, it's, it's the, a, a potato, uh, very nice, uh, potato, and, and then you, you peel it, and as I say, it's probably too complicated for most of you, but you peel it, and then you boil it, after you've cut it into pieces, and then you take it off the boil, and you drain the hot water away, and then you mash it, and it becomes mashed potato. And then, and if you're feeling really good, you get a fork, and you, fork, and you put some salt and pepper in there, and you put some butter, like loads of butter, or if you're like me, you cut out the middleman. You cut out the potato and you actually go and buy instant mashed potato, which comes in either powder or it comes in little sort of granule type things, sort of like little sort of rocks. And you pour hot water on the top and then you, just, you mash it again and you put butter in there. Or if you really want to add a little bit of superiority, a little bit of mayonnaise through it is lovely. And if you put some grated cheese over the top, it's yummy, yummy. That's one of her, her super... I I added the grated cheese. That was my own creation. I mean, I'm sorry, hold my hands up. There will be a Steve Allen cookbook out by Christmas. But the other thing is that she's come up with, and you'll never work this one out in a million years, where she... I mean, this woman is imaginative. Cheese, OK, you know, you know, you go into a shop and you buy, buy some cheese. Ham as well. And... And you put it between two bits of bread. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's sheer genius. And it's called a toasty. And she's done a ham and cheese toasty. One of her her new super recipes. I mean, Lord above. My friend says two pints of fresh and a pint of sterra, Pale blue milk tokens for the sterra and white for the fresh from the co-op. What was the slogan? It's all at the co-op now. I used to love those adverts. those Those jingles. That went with all the adverts, you know, they were fantastic. You'll wonder where the yellow went when you brush your teeth with Pepsodent. We used to do the same one. You'll wonder where your mouth has gone when you brush your teeth with an atom bomb. And, uh, and so it so used to go on. But all those things, all those different adverts on the television. But we loved it best in the cinema with Pearl and Dean. And then you'd get sort of, there used to be a lovely advert for Gordon's gin. And it involved a big, tall glass, ice cubes, clear ice cubes. I mean, how you make clear ice cubes, I've got no idea, but clear ice cubes, and and then the gin over the top with them. Oh, it was brilliantly done. Absolutely brilliant. And now it's HD, it's even better. But I've not been to the cinema in ages. Unfortunately for me, cinemas are like a death trap. I fall asleep. My best friend will tell you. He will tell you that I'm known for falling asleep in cinemas. I mean, I really am bad. If ever I go with Charlie Girling. I do. Although I did fall asleep last time, actually, I only fall asleep for sort of a brief minute or so, and and nobody. And I sort of think, because you always wake up, don't you? Especially if you fall asleep on the train, and you think, what if I was snoring? What if anybody's not or feeling that worse? You're up against the window. You're kind of stuck to it, and you've dribbled at the same. Oh dear! I mean, that is you. And you and you try. You, you try and pretend you've been awake all the time. So you sort of oh yeah. And you don't actually open your eyes, you just sort of carry on as if your eyes are open. It never works. I'm sure everybody looks at me going, he's been asleep. So I try not to fall asleep on the, uh, on the trains anymore. It's way too embarrassing. Uh, uh, the Moores murderer, Ian Brady, I don't know why we're even emboder- bothering with this piece of pond life. He apparently secretly ate food while he was on hunger strike. He was being through, uh, fed through a nasal tube, but would often accept full meals from some staff. Of course he would. He was a convicted murderer. He used to sort of make up stories about how he'd be allowed out of prison. He'd just make up, you know, oh, I, I know where one of the victims is buried. He didn't know anything at all. He was just uh, convicted. But we should have hanged him. It would have been a lot easier. don't know why we bothered keeping him for all those years. Him and her, both should have been hanged by the neck until very, very, very dead. Uh, the Queen pictured again, and this time she's pictured uh, with the Governor-General of Australia, Sir Peter Cosgrove, who popped into Balmoral. And you suddenly realise... In fact, the, there's a lovely picture on her, um, her sitting room wall and it is a, a picture, I think it's a photograph actually, of Queen Victoria with her gilly, uh John Brown, who apparently Queen Victoria had a bit of a thing about. Mind you, Queen Victoria had a thing about lots of men. She obviously went for a particular type, didn't she? John Brown was one of them and I love the film with, uh, with, uh, with Billy Connolly in. I thought that was, that was absolutely brilliant. He was just perfect, absolutely perfect. And, uh, and then we liked her uh, with Abdul as well. She was obviously a bit of a goer, Queen Victoria, wasn't she? You know, for a little short, fat, ugly woman who wasn't, you know, particularly interesting in any way, shape or form, it was uh, it was quite a life, actually. But uh, this is the latest look inside the Scottish royal castle. Uh, this is, yes, the, the sun showed you yesterday how the decor had barely changed in 40 years. They don't waste money. She does not waste money. Other people, you know, pseudo-rich people, or people who are rich, although the woman who um, uh, was behind L'Oreal, died the other day. She was apparently one of the richest women in the world. She was 95, 93, something like that. She was worth 40 billion. 40 billion. She'd been a recluse for some years. There was a bit of a a court case in America where, because she had dementia, the family were trying to take away things from her. But uh, she was quite quite formidable that uh, she died the other day, Uh, together with uh, the game show presenter, And that's William G. Stewart. He was 84. We just love 15 to 1 because it was what they call an intelligent quiz. Nowadays we have quizzes on there and I can't believe that some people don't even know the answers to them because even I know the answers. I I know that one. It's like on the chase. You hear the answer coming up and they go, and you think, no, it's wrong, it's wrong. Why do you not know this? You're supposed to be an adult. But 15 to 1 was very good. And William G. Stewart uh, was the man behind it. He had a very short illness... Uh, But he did present it from 1988 to 2003. He also worked as a producer and director, including Family Fortunes, The Price is Right, and uh, Bless This House. Uh, He died surrounded by his family the other day at the age of 84. So I always liked him, actually. I got a letter from him once, many, many, many years ago. Many, many years ago, uh, when he was sort of coming in early. Because I get lots of people who come in early to work, which which is actually quite nice, actually. Uh, Also, now why did I save this? Oh, that's right, a railway security guard. Oh, my goodness me. There's so many crooked people out there. And this is one here. Uh, This railway station security guard stole a drunk passenger's wallet. I know, you can't believe it, can you? And took 640 quid from his accounts. Helen Adu, who's 50, was asked by the man to help him buy a ticket and gave her his bank card and PIN. But after getting his ticket, she kept his cards and even closed Ockenden Station in Essex for 15 minutes so she could make cash withdrawals. What a crook! What a crook! By the time the victim realised his cards were missing and cancelled them, Adu had made a dozen withdrawals and topped up her Oyster travel card. She comes from Dagenham in East London. She admitted the fraud and theft... Basildon J.P.'s gave her 150 hours of unpaid work and 20 days of rehabilitation. What? No hanging? Oh, thank goodness sake! Unbelievable! What a crook! She's also got to refund the victim in full. Helen Adu, watch her. She's a tea leaf. She steals. That is tri- and that's somebody who's in a position of trust. That's like, if I found a wallet in here... Actually, I'm going to be totally honest and tell you something now that it's going to shock you going to shock you. I'm, I haven't, I haven't told people this before this morning. As I was going out to get my last cup of coffee, there was a pound coin behind the chair. It's in my pocket. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Was it yours? Yeah. Well, prove it. Prove it. Because I've written my name on it already. <laughs> and I, and I, it was a pound coin. And I'm assuming it's mine because I do have a lot of pound coins. But I tell you what, I discovered the other day. I've discovered some of these old pound coins. So old. I always have money on me. Not like some people around here who don't have money. I've always got money on me. And it's, I've got some of these old pound coins. I've got to get rid of them today because we're getting ever closer. But no, I found it on the floor and I thought, I'm having that. Because it must be mine. I must have at some point put my hand in my pocket and, and pulled out, you know, something to clean my glasses or something like that. And, I, and I'm, I'm being quite honest with you because there's no point in lying to you. You know, I've got to be honest. And I would probably do the same if I found some money on the street. If I found a tenor on the street, I would probably keep it. You know, if I've if, if, three weeks to get rid of the pound coins, then you can take them into the bank, can't you? But I mean, who the heck wants to go into the bank? with? so I've got a pound coin here. Go away. But uh, I th- I'm not sure if I've actually got any in my pocket at the moment. I've got this sneaking feeling. I probably have. I found some at home. There you go. One, two, three. Oh, my God. Oh my. We've definitely got to get four. Who's giving me these blooming pound coins? Somebody's giving me these pound coins. I've got four in my... Po- they've got to go. I'm going to use those today for, su- for something. I don't know what. Don't change any more of the currency, please. I keep getting the tenors now. I love the tenors. But four of these pound coins, they've got to go. Three weeks to get rid of them. Today, they're going. They go, no, not for you. I found one on the floor, so I'm a pound up on the deal.
0: Yes. Result. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: That's the one. Nice to be company. Welcome along. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast on LBC. It's Friday. It's 25 minutes to six. This is where the world comes out to play every morning between four and seven. We are the spike. We are the spike. Uh, Mr. O'Leary. This is Michael O'Leary, the Ryanair billionaire who uh, who really doesn't really care about passengers. It sounds to me they don't seem to be getting what they want. Um, He's admitted he's a clown. Uh, but he's uh, refused to rule out even more axed flights. Uh, he says the pilots are not tired. They're all fine. I mean, perhaps he's just perhaps he's just not in the real world. Perhaps he's sort of become so arrogant that he thinks that Ryanair can get away with it. And and he's probably right, actually. They probably can get away with it. It's a budget airline. They don't have to no, no, they call it. They don't call it budget. Do they? they call it no frills. Airlines. So if you get on there, you know, it is a case of you've got to pay for this, you've got to pay for that, which I don't know a problem with. If something's getting you from here to there and it's cheap, if he decides to cancel it, that's his business. Although there's going to be compensation left, right and centre. They reckon anywhere between 15 and 25 million they'll have to pay out. But I mean, I don't they don't seem to be that bothered about it. He's also claimed yesterday he's going to recruit another 125 pilots. Uh, where they're coming from, I don't know. I don't know how fast they can process pilots. Are there that many pilots on standby at the moment, waiting to be called to go and work for Ryanair, or do they want to go and work for big boys airlines? Because I'm not sure what the what the money would be, the difference between working for Ryanair or difference between working for say BA or any of the big Qatar. There are reports they they're losing pilots to to Norwegian Air. Good lord. So they pay more. I mean, I don't know what an average pilot would earn. A hundred and something, 120, 130, I would think, to be a pilot. Plus you get all the concessions, and then you get so many holidays. But if they can afford to turn down 12 grand to give up the holiday... <coughs> I could turn down. I'd, I'd, I'd like to be offered t- turning down the holiday for twelve grand, but as I'm already, it doesn't make any difference to me. If I if I take the holiday, I can take the holiday. If I don't take the holiday, I don't take the holiday. And I'm not a holiday person. But they've turned down twelve grand. They'd rather have holidays, because it it must be tiring. Even though planes fly themselves, they just need to sit there, push a few buttons, and the thing will sort of take off. Apparently, Ryanair pilots are paid highly, says Warren. I should. I mean, but I don't know what a pilot would earn. I mean, they aren't going to be earning something like 300,000. They do work, he says, max hours. Warren would know, but he doesn't work for, for Ryan. He works for uh, one of the other ones doing the upper class. Sit there. I'm first class. Sit wherever you like. <laughs> Sit wherever you want. Champagne? Caviar? What would you like? Actually, I must be the only person. First, first class would be wasted 100 grand. Oh, right, 100 grand. And they don't have a fixed base, says Warren, so they can be put anywhere in Europe. So they can say, all right, today's flight takes off from um, Dusseldorf. And you go, but I'm in Norwich. And they go, well, you've got to get to Dusseldorf then, haven't you? Because otherwise the plane will be taking off without you. I always, always quite fancied that idea, actually, of being a pilot. But I, I don't like the responsibility of people sort of going, you know, and you have to say, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Pilot Alan speaking to you. <laughs> We're flying at a height of 32,000 feet. Uh, sorry to say, we've just lost the use of one of our engines. And um, it's, it's all going a little bit pear shaped at the moment. Yeah, I could just do the show over the tannoy. I could just sit there and entertain people. Well, sort of entertain people. Because I always think that it's a wasted opportunity. If I was working on, on, uh, on the underground or on the overground trains, and I went on one the other day, that, did I tell you, the new Southwestern? It's one long carriage. There's one long... Ca- There's no doors of pushing the button where it takes half your arm away with it. You know, like a halogen oven. And you just you go all the way through. And it was, it was brilliant. I was, I was very... So a lot of, a lot of um, pilots have left in droves, says Warren. Because they're obviously going somewhere where it, where it pays a bit better. But they've offered a pay rise of €10,000 to hang on to the pilots. Because given the choice, you know, it's... I mean, so a lot of them... They said they're losing to Norwegian Air... Uh, but they dispute the claim that 700... How many pilots have they got then? If 700 left last year, which they're disputing. How many pilots are working for Ryanair? I didn't know they had that many pilots, seriously. Give it a choice, though. What would you rather be? Would you rather be a pilot flying the thing, or would you rather be somebody pushing a trolley going, duty-freeze, tea, coffee? Shall I put that in the overhead locker for you? Stand up yourself and put it in there. I'm not touching it. I don't think they get paid very well either, do they? But they get free, to, don't they get sort of uh, discounted travel? Even after you leave, you still get discounted travel, I believe. But the BA staff, I think, they had that taken away. Oh, that's right, they went, yeah, they were going astray. Mind you, the, the perk for BA, years and years ago, and probably loads of other airlines, because where I live in Twickenham, we've got lots of, lots of cabin crew and stuff like that, is they used to bring home all the little miniatures. Then, Then they actually put a stop to that. And all of a sudden the miniatures dried up. I'll tell you, I had to stop drinking for a, for a weekend. It was ghastly and, you know, until they started arriving again. But that was, that was it, wasn't it? People, some people want to drink on planes. Luckily, I'm not one of them. Isn't it funny? It's like Christmas. People go, oh, can't, can't wait to have a good drink at Christmas. I go, why? I must be the only person who doesn't drink at Christmas because I'm, I'm driving, so I never think about it. And people go, oh, you can have a good drink. I go, I can have a good drink any time I want, but I've not drunk for a week and a half now. And uh, I'm not sure if I feel any better for it. I don't. I'm not sure if I, but sort of think I look better. What? I look really bad then, or something last? Like what do you mean? I look better? What does that mean? Somebody said to me. They said. They said. In fact, actually, my friend Mike upstairs. He said you look really good. He said you'd never know. He said that you've got all these bits and pieces dropping off you, like skin, you know, or anything like that. And having spent so many hours in uh, in the eye department yesterday, now I've got all these extra drops to take. I need to get rid of the glaucoma. It's funny, isn't it? You sort of, you sort of. Now I'm so used to being in hospitals, I just sit there. I switch off. I switch. Today I'm going to be fantasising about winning the lottery tonight, 135 million pounds, and debating who I'm going to bestow with my favours. Who is going to be the? You're, listen, you're both up for ten quid each. Don't, do not thank me. Do not thank me. Just, just take it. It's a gift. It's tax deductible. It's fine, and and that's it. I don't know what you'd say. I was, I was fantasising whether or not I'd go and see my uh, brother and sort of say, I'm going to give you some money. My brother would go, oh, yeah, very nice. And i go, £10 You know, because that's what you do whenever they have a big rollover on the lottery. Nobody will win it. If it's somebody in Belgium, I'm going to go mad. It's always somebody abroad. They get, because I know it's euro millions, but I think it's ours. Because it's owned by us. Well, I thought it was. And then you get, and somebody in Ostend has just won 130 Well, do a favour... You know, it'll be somebody, you know, tyrolean mountaining somewhere in Austria. You know, it'll be, hee, hee. We've just won 135 million. We're not going there on holiday ever again. I think it should be ours. I know what to do with it. Warren says, I love my job. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, it's like everything. I never understand people who say they don't like their jobs. It doesn't matter whether you're reading the news here, you know, or whether you're writing news or you're producing. It doesn't matter. As long as you like doing it, if you don't like doing it, go do something else. Because there's no point. I mean, here, we laugh, laugh. Sometimes we drink and then we laugh again a little bit more. And then we, then we laugh some more. And then we get, and then people have you committed. And, and then we cry. And then we go, oh, it's been a very slow news week. And then all of a sudden a new story occurs and we go, and then we laugh again. We go, you know, thing like that. You've got to like it. You've got to like every job. I think you can make any job good. When I worked in a shop, I loved working in a shop. You know, I, when I worked behind a bar to help some friends out, I loved working behind a bar. I could do anything. I can, you know, there's not much I can't... I can't make corn dollies and I can't do, make brooms or anything else like that. So I'm not particularly good with my hands. You know, I, I can't do sort of the manual stuff. But anything else I can, I can quite happily cope with. I can even cope with Ryanair. I can even cope with Ryanair and the fact that pilots earn in excess of 100000 a year. Because it, be, it must still be quite nice, isn't it? Why do, why do cabin crew always look smart? I just look like a sack of potatoes most of the time. I could never look smart up in the air. They'd have to go, oh, God, his shirt's out. And yet you see people with their shirts tucked in. And it's a very campy thing. I don't know why it should be a very gay thing to work, to to be a trolley dolly. There are lots of gay trolley dolly. I don't know why. What is it about pushing a trolley up and down? Is it like sort of My Little Pony, only with a trolley? I don't know whether or not there's a... I just can't quite work out what the appeal is for gay guys. Is it like a freshly starched white shirt? Is it the fact that you can sit down there and go... You can be very camp and nobody says anything because they're too frightened. In case you open the door. <laughs> don't like you. Gone. <laughs> Sorry, Mrs Clutterbuck. She's gone. Right, we've got a very vacant seat and there's a, there's a spare meal going. Because I used to try... Because I used to sit up the front of a plane. And then... And then they would start the trolley from the back. So it would go partially. you. Oh, they won't have anything left by the time it gets back to me. And it would sail partially. you. I wish I'd sat at the back. And I thought, no, nah, I'll wait. And it comes back and you go, do you have any of the um, fruit punch left? No, sorry, we haven't got anything like that, dear. And you go, oh, I'll just have a cup of tea then. Nuts? Yeah, if you want. And, um, and, so, and they always give you a little packet of peanuts. Why can't we have something different? Do they not do nuts now? Allergies. Isn't that funny? People have allergies everywhere. There was When I was in hospital yesterday, they would say, have you got any allergies? I said, well, I don't think so. No, I'm not allergic to penicillin. I'm not allergic to it. They go, do you actually take any medicine at the moment? And I always go, do I take medicine? Let me show you. Let me show you what I take. And the girl said to me yesterday, she said, you're very organised. I said, I like to think so. I like to think I'm organised for stuff like that. But uh, when, it, when it comes to uh, bandage doing... They're uh, coming off again today and we'll have new bandages for the weekend. Yeah, so excited. Next time, next time I see you, I'll, I'll be all done. Paul Smith is, is going away. Well, I say he's, he's going away. It's kind of enforced. And he's, uh, he'll, he'll be up in the Cairngorms and the Trossachs and everything else. And by the time you come back, I'll have had, hopefully, my skin grafting. And then we can see what it looks like. We can sort of, yeah, a few weeks' time. Just remember what I told you before. Don't talk to strangers, OK? And keep your nose down. He's going home to sleep, then he's driving to Scotland. That's a drive and a half, isn't it? Mind you, in your little car, petrol should go quite a long way. In my one, I'd have to stop off three times. Right, nuisance. Yes, Leeds, yes. Enjoy Leeds. I I quite like Leeds. It's sort of party town, isn't it, really? Full full of students. No trouble meeting people in Leeds. Everybody talks to you in Leeds. I've discovered up north everybody talks to you. Middlesbrough, Manchester, Hull, Trossachs, Caincorms, Everywhere. Exactly. Everybody talks to you. Only in London, nobody talks to you. Funny that, isn't it? I talk to people all the time. Admittedly, we've had the police called on a few occasions, but, you know, you just get used to it, don't you? They get used to me. Oh What's he doing? He's talking to people again. Can't help it. Occupational hazard.
0: See you later. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Ten to six is the time. Now, if you've listened to the programme all week, you will know that uh, we are raising money for our global charity, which is Make Some Noise. And this is a charity which helps to change young lives. And with your help, we can do it. Last year, we raised an extraordinary amount of money and we're hoping to do the same this year. Uh, there's a couple of changes this year, things that we, we did last year that we're not going to be doing this year and new things that we're doing. Uh, I've got some things coming up, which I'm sure you'll be uh, thrilled about. But uh, one of them is to try and extract from you. And I, I put that in the nicest possible way, because I keep saying to you every day, it's not a huge amount of money. If it is a huge amount of money, uh, well, then that's fine. But it's always good to try and raise a lot of money for charity because you don't see it if it's on your telephone, it's not like physically putting your hand in your pocket and coming up with three pounds. It's on your telephone. And so you don't see it go. And that's why uh, we've got this fantastic charity. Make some noise. And and I'm offering you as an incentive uh, the chance to go into the draw to win the ultimate break for two people in New York City. Uh, you will fly. From the UK to Newark Airport in New Jersey, courtesy of United Airlines, you will spend five nights at a Hilton hotel and resort property in New York of your choice. I'll let you pick where you want to go. Uh, you know, if, if you're the, the lucky recipient and I hope it's you uh, and you can also split between two hotels. You're not stuck to the same hotel. So if you fancy a change, you move somewhere else. I'll also give you two New York Day passes. These are invaluable if you've never been to New York City before. Even if you've been before, it's worth having because it gives you free admission to over 80 top New York City attractions. And uh, if all this wasn't enough, you then head to Bloomingdale's department store. You'll be treated to $500 to spend on a shopping spree. You can send me a postcard as well, which would be quite nice. Thank you. And then on one of the nights, you can also look forward to dinner for two at New York's best uh, steakhouse, the world-famous Benjamin Stakehouse. Actually, a friend of mine just said, make some noise, is a brilliant name for a charity. Any idea who came up with it? I don't know who came up with it, actually. There must be one person somewhere. I've never discovered that. I'll try and find out, actually. De- <laughs> Funny question to ask. But at the same time, it's quite interesting because I, I thought it was... They all came under one umbrella and it was a brilliant idea because I've been down... Which I'll tell you about as we go into October. I went down to a home which gives uh, families of children with uh, life-threatening illnesses... bit of a respite and it's it's such a heartwarming story and they're such lovely people and so I went down there to do some recordings a few weeks back so you'll be hearing about that but in the meantime if we can raise some money today and this is Friday so this is the final time this week for you to pick up the telephone you could pick up the telephone a little bit later on as well but it's the final time I'm going to be mentioning it at this time of the morning so if you want to enter and win that ultimate break for two people in New York City, all you have to do, pick up your telephone. As I say, you don't even see the money going. Normally, if it's sort of somebody rattling a, oh, sorry. If it's somebody rattling a tin... I'm just going to do my... I have to do my own sound effects. <laughs> if it's somebody rattling a tin, then you, then you feel it going. And you probably wouldn't put £3 in. If it's off your, your telephone... Uncanny, isn't it? Honestly, it's like a gift. He did his own sound effects and everything. There's no extra charge for that. And so it's £3. It's a one-off voluntary donation... That's £3 from every text which goes straight to our charity, which helps to change young lives. You've got until midday on the 6th of October to enter. So keep the phone handy because you could be getting that phone call on that day going, congratulations, is that? And you'll go, yes. They go, you've just won an ultimate break for two people to New York City. I mean, that's what you call a nice a nice bit of a boost just before Christmas. Uh, so, standard network rate supply. You need to be over 18. You're playing across all participating stations. Full list rules and date restrictions are at lbc.co.uk. So, how do you do it? You pick up the phone and you text NYC, which stands for New York City just in case. It took me a while to work that bit out. NYC, and you send it to 84850. The NYC triggers the that particular part of 84850 and it goes into the right place, because otherwise it disappears and we don't want to, to lose that one. So NYC, and send it to 84850. And good luck. And so for, for the princely sum of £3, which you, you haven't seen go, it, it just it just disappears. You can change young people's lives. Young people who need Help. They could be terminally ill, they could have life-threatening illnesses, it can be all sorts of things. They could be orphans, they could be children who are stuck in homes for all sorts of reasons and children who need some help. And you can do this and you can do it anonymously. You can do it so it just means that you give £3 and £3 we we can do a lot with, I promise you. So if you feel it in your hearts to to make a difference, then uh, please text NYC. Eight four eight five, oh, so many of you have uh, this week i 'm so i 'm so grateful because it does make a difference, unlike some uh, charities where they say, Oh, and you know a part of it goes to it. This voluntary donation of just three pounds from every text goes straight to the charity, and they can they can really use it, so I thank you in advance for what you do and and in advance of all the young people who can 't thank you, Some of them will thank you you 'll hear them on. LBC saying thank you for what you've done for them. But uh, some of them won't ever realise what you've done because you've done it anonymously, and that's what's so nice about it. So NYC, please, to 84850. And I say thank you very much indeed. Freezing on my patio, Steve. You are my coffee partner here whilst I wake up. Passing on a happy Friday. I know, I can't wait to get the bandages changed. <laughs> seriously can't. And uh, Richard and the Wirral, the old gag, sit up in uh, front of a plane for the trolley, says, but for safety reasons, you should really sit at the back of the plane because they never knowingly reverse into hills. Thank you. It's an old one, isn't it? Do you know it's the safest form of travel? Air travel. The safest form of travel. Apart, you know, uh, bar none, I think, bar none. Uh, and uh, martin says i've given up alcohol for 5 weeks post summer detox week 3 and i don't feel any better in fact when i wake up most mornings i think i might as well have had a whiskey when i get when will i get the benefit i don't know you're asking the wrong person i don't i don't know i'm assuming probably after i don't know if you, if you've done 3 weeks already week 3 and you don't notice any, but it depends how much you were drinking before you see you see, I mean, I, I didn't drink that much before. I spilt most of it, thank you. Another old gag, but worth using on the programme. And uh, so I haven't, I, I, to be honest with you, I've kind of lost the taste a little bit. I'm not saying that I will lose it completely. I might have a drink tomorrow. I'm going out for, for lunch and I might have a Baileys and Brandy and that might just see me through lunch quite nicely because I feel, I feel that's a bit sort of therapeutic. Whereas I think a bottle of Prosecco might sort of push it too far the other way. So I've decided that uh, I'm not particularly that bothered about it. It really doesn't... But Well, yesterday I couldn't have enough time at the time I got in. Uh, Steve, I've just found some cash down the back of my seat on the train. Well, there you go. I mean, you can you can keep it or not. I suppose the honest side of me would say, depends how much it is. If you only find 20p, I, I wouldn't worry about 20p. If you find, like, a bundle of £100 or something like that, I would hand that in. Not, not to that woman who uh, who pinched out of that bloke's wallet. You don't want to go anywhere near her with a barge pole. And uh, Steve, read the pilots, says Lisa. They won't see the bonus until November 20, 2018. Presumably that ties them into another year with, with Ryanair. Well, I mean, you know, there's all sorts of incentives for companies now to keep people. In, in television terms, it's golden handshakes. That's what they call it. They say, oh, we, we'll give you a, a contract. So lots of people like Anton Deck and Graham Norton and uh, oh, tons of people have golden handshakes to keep somebody there. If they, but the trouble is, if you, if you really like your job, you don't really need a golden handshake, do you? If you, re, if you really, really like the job and you think, do you know, I can't think of anything nicer. What an easy way to make a living. You know, I make television programmes or I make radio programmes or I make haute couture outfits, which reminds me, you will be hearing from David Emmanuel and Hugh Fernley Whittingstall, In the next half an hour on LBC as we give you a little taster of in-conversation for this weekend. Somebody says, are you going to the Blackpool Illuminations this year? Well worth a visit. Golden handcuffs. Is that what they call it, golden handcuffs? It ties you. What did I say? Golden. A golden hacker. Oh, right. I quite, I've never had golden handcuffs. I just say, would you like a contract? Because I, I don't do contract negotiations. I'm not... I'm not I, I find it terribly tedious and boring. Somebody says, listen, do you want a contract? And I go, yeah. I go, OK. And that's that. And I go, is, is there a... No, OK. I said, the last time I said, how, how, how do I stand for a little bit of an increase? And he said, well, for a start, you kneel. And, um, and then we take it on from there. Coming up to the news at six. 300 people claim they were drugged in a bar on a holiday island. The bar says, you're liars. The food safety watchdog will not name individual supermarkets when they report contaminated chicken. Jeremy Corbyn says labour is now the mainstream. More turbulence as the Ryanair pilots refuse to cancel their holidays. The immigration checks on bank accounts, customers deemed to be in the UK illegally, will have funds frozen. A friend of mine says golden handshakes is when they want to get rid of you. Is that where they go, uh, we've we've got some money here. Actually, I'll tell you a funny story about that, the other side of the news. It was when we had a bit of a clear-out at LBC many, many years ago, and it was very interesting, I promise you.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, every very nice heavy company,
1: five past six. One of the landlords in the Brent property were on LBC with Ian Collins last night. He claimed they'd rented the house to a family who then sublet it. And The first they knew about all these people was when they read it, In the newspapers, you'd think you'd check on your own property, wouldn't you? I would have thought, if you were one of those sort of people, you would actually go and and check. So you rent out to somebody who then sublets, which, of course, is nothing unusual in this day and age. But I would be interested. I'd be doing drive-pasts. You know, especially, depends how many properties. I don't think they've got that many properties. They've got a few businesses. I know that. But um, it's interesting that whenever anybody's been to the front door of the house of the doctors, they've sort of claimed that uh, there's nobody in to talk about it. So you think, come on, why not? Why are you not fronting up? Why are you not fronting up? Uh, Blackpool Illuminations, I'll just have to have a look at pictures on the internet. I'm sure it'll be absolutely beautiful. They always are every year. I don't think I've ever been up there for the um, for the Illuminations. I don't know when they... They must be going up now, mustn't they? I would think so. We're heading into October if they've got Christmas cards on sale, goodness sake. They must be doing things like that. Nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. It's Friday the 22nd of uh, December. It's amazing how many people talk... They say the golden December. What am I talking about? September. Good Lord, honestly, we've we've moved on a pace. People have just driven off the road. What's he talking about? Where have we been? A friend of mine says golden handshake is when they want to get rid of you, so they go, here is a shake. So anyway, so years ago, um LBC had a company Christmas card. And and it was we'd never had one before. We we just and so you could buy Christmas cards to send out to contributors and people who've helped you out on the program and stuff like that. And they became collector's items. This particular one had Pictures on the front of the card of all the LBC presenters. All the LBC presenters had a little photo put on there, so it was a photo montage. Anyway, then the company got taken over, and everybody uh, sort of didn't know whether they had a job or not, and so they had a... Uh, we, we, we sat outside with, with the Christmas card, the little, little group of us, and people would be called into the boardroom. If somebody walked out with a brown envelope, they weren't staying. And so we would then put a cross through their photo on the Christmas card. And to be honest with you, we, we sort of gave up after about the twentieth person because they were they were almost restaffing. And so there were lots of crosses on the card. We always used to laugh about it, that if you went in there and they went, Hello, da 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 and then they gave you this this brown envelope that had a check in it which kind of basically paid you off so it was the it was the golden goodbye kind of thing it wasn't the handcuffs it was the the handshake although I don't think a handshake came into it and it, I always remember that card because I've still got it at home with all the crosses on it of all the people who sort of disappeared it was it was very interesting actually very very interesting and certainly not something I'd ever ever been through before Wayne says if ever I have you on one of my flights I'll make sure you're in first class front row And I'll have some Baileys and brandy ready for you to enjoy, plus your first choice of meal. Off to Sofia today. Sofia. Anything? Is is that Bulgaria? producer thinks Bulgaria sounds quite nice, doesn't it? Is that good? Will that be a full flight? Do you get different food on if you go to different areas? I always thought Austrian Airways food was quite good. I used to, you know, they used to have sort of different things. I was always great for the food, but to be honest with you, I'm not really fussed either way. Uh, Steve, a pilot's pay... Depends a number of factors, including aircraft type and size, the pilot's length of service and seniority. Leading airlines can pay a hundred k plus to senior staff, but many pilots earn significantly less. The big problem Ryanair has is that the terms and condition on which it employs staff, and consequently, it has a significant pilot retention problem. Says Nick. Well, they're losing a lot to Norwegian, apparently. Said so, although they actually deny it, they've actually said that's not the case. But uh, Michael has said that he's going to put in one hundred and twenty-five new pilots, where they are at the moment, unless they're rushing them through as fast as possible, because I'm assuming you have to uh, to sort of, you know, vet people and they've got to be tried out. You've got to have so many flying hours under your belt, don't you? You have to train them on each aircraft. You can't, unless you just get into an aircraft and flick a switch. But they're always on the plane long before I am. They're always there. You can see them as you're getting on the plane. They're sitting at the, what they do, jigsaws or something, colouring in books. You can't just fly any plane. You've got to be trained on a particular model. model. I quite like to go on a flight simulator, but I know how disastrous I would be. (coughs) Steve, do you remember the late Dave Allen? I had dinner with Joe Allen. Uh, Sorry, with Joe Allen. (coughs) With Dave Allen once, because a friend of mine cooked. Uh, He joked about who would hear a whistle in the middle of the ocean. Well, the other joke was that they they do... Because nobody watches, do they? Nobody watches the flight information. You know, there are doors here, doors to the rear. In the event of the aircraft ditching, they prefer to put it that way than anything else, lights will come on, oxygen will fall down, and your life belt is under your seat. You put it round your neck. You've got a torch on one side and a whistle. And some bright sparks said, oh, good, we're going to a disco. And, you know, because who's going to hear a whistle? And the idea is they can hear whistles. They did that. The, the Titanic had a lot of that, you know, a lot of people whistling in the dark, du- so they could sort of home in on where, on where the whistle was. But we don't like to think about things like that. It's far too depressing, isn't it? But I do like flying. I do. Like, I know some people absolutely hate it. Uh, Adrian says, did you know there are 50 pences in circulation worth money? I have one. got £85 on eBay. Wow. There's all sorts of nothing on the new £10 notes. Have you noticed nothing on the on the £10 notes? I thought we'd be, they'd be sort of saying, oh, you know, if you've got this particular uh, number on it, then it's going to be worth money. But uh, they're just nice notes. I got one the other day from Marks and Spencers. Other supermarkets probably have them as well. But uh, I got it from there, and I quite like it. So I've got about three or four in my wallet at the moment. Very excited about the whole thing. Very excited. Uh, listening to you in the early hours, Steve, says Martin, the white liner. is very entertaining. No debates, no callers. Makes my morning stress-free. Yes, I mean, we, we don't want to stress anybody out in the morning. I've decided, actually, it's a lot easier. You're going to have enough stress throughout the day anyway, aren't you, if, if you're sort of one of these people who has to come into town. And some people, you could see them. They look world-weary at the station, you know, you see people getting off the trains at Waterloo Station or Euston or King's Cross and they look like, oh, I've just been through the mill backwards because they've had to stand on a train journey because they're they're a little bit too far down the line and for those people, we dedicate the programme this morning and say, we'll look after you. Oh my, Kim Jong-un, he's blow-drying his hair. Look at him. What is he doing? They've got new uh, measures now. Donald Trump has instigated new measures and now Kim Jong-un has also instigated measures as well. They're just, they're pushing it, aren't they, as far as they can. They're pushing, you just get the feeling, at some point, it's going to stop. And so that there is going to be no more pushing. Because they're, they're taking away all sorts of things. You won't be to trade with this, you won't be to do that, there'll be no money coming in. And, and you're not too sure, you know, the services or the technology, nobody is allowed to do business with them now. So their income will go down considerably. So you begin to wonder just how far this is going to be pushed. I don't even want to think about it; far too depressing. Yes, <laughs> that's a point. <laughs> the charities—they're te- working so hard. The charities team at the moment, honestly, they really are because there's so much, so much to sort of do, and and so much in the pipeline. There's all sorts of things. I've got some lovely stuff coming up, really lovely stuff. And uh, as I say, at the moment, because of the uh, because of the phone-in competition which we're doing at the moment, and that the opportunity of winning that fantastic five five-day holiday to New York City, which is uh, really lovely. You wait till Monday. You wait <laughs> Seriously, wait till Monday. Even I can't believe it either. But anyway, just... And also, you wait till October, because I've got something else for you as well, which you're going to enjoy. I do it all for you. You realise this, don't you? We do everything for you. Well, you so that you can help us help other people. And it's the other people who need, uh, who need helping. Front page of the Mirror this morning, Brady's Final Secrets... Uh, locked files of Ian Brady he left behind two locked briefcases, which may give clues to where he buried a victim. I shouldn't think so. He wasn't bright enough for things like that. But uh, I don't know why they're faffing around. He died in May, didn't he? And they're only sort of getting round to him. He left two briefcases. Well, open them. Does he have family? I couldn't really care. As far as I'm concerned, once, you, once you've committed such a heinous crime as he has, you lose everything. I really am not, I'm not remotely interested in him at all. They say the contents may reveal where Keith Bennett's body is buried. I shouldn't think so. I shouldn't think so. Why would he write something like that down? They took him up onto the moors. He couldn't remember anything. It was donkeys years ago. But uh, somewhere on those moors is, is the body of Keith Bennett. We assume. We assume that's where it is, because they've been up there. They've done all the geo. They, they can find things on time, Team. yet they can't find this, because the moor has changed so much in, in all those years. Uh, laughing all the way to the banquet, the taxpayers forking up 1.2 million for the Lord's lunches. What do they do? They don't leap they don't. They don't do anything. The Miracle Kids, as well, from that huge quake, have been rescued. I mean, that itself, as you say, there is there is a God up there. Uh, also, Big Ginge, he's a minder for Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney's now got to have a minder, and so now he's been told to do this. Is it hundred hours of community service? He's not going to be doing it publicly, because they're they're worried for him. <laughs> Sorry, a drink driver. We're worried for his safety because they think that yobs might uh, might take the mickey out of him. Possibly. They also think people will want to take selfies with him, so he won't get the work done. And also, he's got a year to do this. A year to do. I don't know what he's doing, sweeping or something like that. And so um, they've said they, they, it's going to be done privately. Like, apparently one of it was sorting clothes out for a charity shop. That's that—that's punishment, is it, nowadays? My God, honestly. What a bunch of cats. But uh, anyway, he'll have to do it, but he has his own little minder. His name's Damien Hall, and uh, he's poached a bodyguard to drive him to training during his two-year driving ban. Why don't you just get local minicabs, mate? Or get the bus? You know, stick a, stick a, a hat on. Don't go out in your suit. Nobody will know it's you. But listen, if the Queen could walk around in front of Buckingham Palace after the war and nobody spotted it was her, you can definitely walk around. If you want to go round, you know, showing us your new hair transplant and all the rest of it, well, then fair enough, but you don't need to do that. But uh, they, they're going to make sure... Mr. Hall is there to make sure that he's trusted. Um, I don't know how old he is. He's fairly ancient. But uh, his wife, Colleen, they've been tasked with making sure he arrives safely and on time. He was employed by a controlled solutions group who manage all of Man United's security issues. Well, are they paying for it? Or is, uh, is it... It's an odd one, that, isn't it? Yeah, but... Yes, he's Everton. Oh, but He's obviously paying for him privately, then. Must be paying privately. Perhaps, perhaps Wayne is worried people will jeer at him. me well think so, too, for, for the uh, for the amount of booze you had in your system. I still can't believe it. But apparently he's having a tattoo done to prove to uh, Colleen that he still loves her. <sighs> well, that proved. Doesn't prove anything, does it? Just means he's having a tattoo done. I mean, if she's gullible enough
0: to fall through, that's her business. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Friday. Welcome to the weekend. Welcome to. Apparently, we might get some sunshine. Apparently, we might actually have a nice weekend. You might actually be able to go and get the car washed this weekend because it's been a bit busy up until now. MPs who make the best use of Twitter. Uh, these are some names for you to play with. People who really use Twitter properly. Number 10, Tim Farron for the Lib Dems. Uh, Nine, Harriet Harman for Labour. Tom Watson, uh, Ramuna for Labour. Caroline Lucas at number six for the Greens. Ed Miliband for Labour. Diane Abbott uh, for, for the Conservatives. She's Labour. Why have they put down Conservatives? How bizarre. Teresa, I think actually somebody somewhere is screwed up here. Uh, because I'm definitely convinced, unless something has happened in the last few minutes, Diane Abbott is definitely Labour. Uh, Boris Johnson. Uh, is number three with uh, the Conservatives. Theresa May, number two. And guess who the number one MP is who makes the best use of Twitter? Jeremy Corbyn. For Labour, they finally got that bit right. It was like yesterday, the Daily Mail printed a picture of River Cottage and uh, and I showed it to Hugh Fernley Whittingstall and he said, uh, that's not River Cottage, that was the offices. Nothing to do with River Cottage. He rented it, he's been back there because he knows the people who are renting at the moment. And uh, my first guest on In Conversation. This weekend, a fashion designer and a TV presenter. By the early 1980s, his name flew around the globe when, along with his ex-wife Elizabeth, he designed one of the most iconic and hotly anticipated garments of all time. It was the dress worn by the late Diana, Princess of Wales, for her wedding to Prince Charles. His work was seen by over 700 million people worldwide in what was to be the marriage of the century. It's David Emmanuel. He told me he thinks Diana's appeal is timeless.
2: I see it so clearly as the three blondes. There was Mary Monroe. You can't imagine Mary Monroe older. No. Princess Grace of Monaco. Do you remember that was yes. tragic? Another blonde. And
1: Diana was almost like the third blonde. Yes. Extraordinary. Well, they've always tried to sort of say what she would have looked like if she got yes. older. And I thought she was always destined to be young. Mm. She was right. always destined no, to be young. Yes. She's, she, she was at that age and, and and she holds a fast. I only saw her once in London, mm. and that was as I pulled up at some traffic lights, and oh, she yeah. was sitting in the back of a car in the well in the middle with two detectives, and she was sort of crouched down. I remember looking over going, bloody hell, it's Diana. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> just I just don't expect it. Well, a very similar story. I just want to jump in. Um, can you imagine uh, as it was announced, she got more and more known, obviously. And it, there, was a, uh, there was a particular fitting I had to do at Buckingham Palace called The Train. Because I did my, my tiny studio. I couldn't put a 25-foot train in my studio. So I remember going over there. And at the end of the fitting, she said, well, how are you getting back? And I said, well, i just get a cab or whatever. So my seamstress folded it all up. It obviously, it was in cotton calico. And she goes, well, I'll drive you back. So I've got my seamstress with the frock all folded up in the back seat. You remember her tiny little car? Diana was driving. I was in the front seat. We stopped at the lights at the mall and people go, oh, my God, oh, my God. And we were laughed. We laughed. I said, oh, God. And she said,
1: oh, I'm sorry about that. I said, well, they know who you are, you yeah. know. Fashion designer David Emmanuel, who's going to be in conversation with me this weekend. It's, he tells such good stories about Diana and the meeting and the fittings. And the clothing and and the dress and everything. I mean, really, really, really fantastic. Although a friend of mine says he doesn't half sound like Neil Tennant from the Pet Shop Boys. Actually, incidentally, to read the story in the paper today, Neil Tennant was mugged in Rio de Janeiro after they'd finished doing a concert over there. So we wish him and uh, a few other people... They stole their phones. There was no guns involved. But we wish him the very best of luck. Now, as well as David Emanuel, I'll be talking to a man who's a celebrity chef. TV presenter and a food campaigner with a passion for locally sourced produce and sustainability. His idyllic River Cottage in Dorset has been the setting for many of his TV shows over the years, as well as sharing his tasty recipes. He's campaigned on issues like factory farmed food and wastage. It's Hugh Fernley Whittingstall. He told me that a plant-based diet doesn't have to
3: be boring. We all would like to find ways to get a bit more veg into our cooking, but the simple thing is, the, the, in order to do that, we need to make it delicious. It needs, it needs to compete. It's just a, a matter of um, broadening your horizons, embracing the extraordinary range of ingredients covered by the term veg, because, of course, we mean plant foods, really, and that includes fruit and s- spices and nuts and seeds and all those lovely things. Uh, and once you recognise this extraordinary range of tastes and textures and aromas, and then the amazing things you could do with them once you start roasting and grilling and barbecuing, as well as you know, it's not just about boiling and steaming and sticking it on the side, it's about putting veg front and central and celebrating the extraordinary array of flavours you can get.
1: Well, it's interesting because one of the leading supermarkets announced today that this Christmas they're going to be adding more vegetables and more vegetarian options for those people who don't want to have turkey for christmas those people who don't want to have chicken and so they're expanding now and they're going to
3: have more vegetarian meals than meat meals this christmas well it, it, that's that's a good thing i welcome that i welcome that but i think the real sort of potential here is for people to get vegetables as the as the foremost ingredients in their kitchens and learn to be creative uh, and not stress about it, because as I say, it's really, really not hard once you once you realise that you don't have to be hide uh, You know, it's so easy to experiment, and this book is full of ideas that uh, there's a few traditional recipes there, but lots of them, I think, are pretty new things that people won't have tried before. And they very often involve combining something a bit sort of pulsy with something, maybe some roast roots, and then maybe even bring a bit of sharpness from some fruit in there, and then uh, a nice dressing or something crunchy sprinkled over the top. You just build up textures and flavours, and it really isn't hard to make wonderful meals where you're not even thinking about the fact that there's no meat, you're just enjoying the veg that's in front of you. He's passionate
1: Seriously, both guests this week passionate. I mean, all our guests for In Conversation are really passionate. But that's the celebrity chef, Hugh Fernley-Whittingstall, who's in conversation with me this weekend, along with the fashion designer, David Emmanuel. And you can hear me talking to David and Hugh tomorrow morning from six after the best of Steve Allen. And then it's repeated on Sunday evening from nine o'clock in the evening, and you can then download the whole thing from the LBC catch-up app for your mobile or tablet too, and some really good conversation, and there was, there was no hold barred with David Emanuel at all, you know, I said to him, can I ask you anything? He said, anything. Because he listens to the programme as well. Which always helps, I think, it always helps, but as I said at the beginning of the programme, when he first heard this show, he didn't, he didn't get it. Gets it now. Gets it now, and obviously he gets up at the crack of dawn every day, but I get, you know, I get Phil Vickery, I've got a very good friend of mine, Who's, uh, who's in radio, loads of friends of mine who are in radio, who seem to, you know, if they're doing breakfast shows, they wake up, you know, the normal time, and then they think, where, where can I... right well, right, let's see what he's doing this morning. Let's pinch some ideas. It saves you having to go through the newspapers. Steve Allen's already done it for you. I feel like we should send it out as a crib sheet or something. In fact, I did that to a friend of mine once. He said, he said when you mention the story, can you tell me what page number it is in the newspaper? I said, Ian, Seriously? I cannot do this for you. I did do it for a little while and then I kind of stopped doing it. It's one of those things. You've just woken up. It is nice to have your company. I hope you stay with LBC all day because it's Friday. It is a bit nippy this morning. Uh, do not be put off because apparently we've got sunshine today, which uh, which will make a change actually. Normally we get overcast. When I, I came back out of the hospital yesterday, I looked at, oh no, it's going to rain, isn't it? And you get back home and it's just started, that silly little drizzle. And you go, I don't, oh, I don't really want to. Just change the bandages today in the hospital. And uh, let me have a nice weekend, and then I shall eventually, uh, eventually get round to sort of putting my feet up and falling asleep. Because every day I seem to be spending my life trying to wo- organise the the hospital. Next week, next week I've already seen the lineup of who's uh, coming in. So I'm hoping, in between the uh, the surgery that we've got uh, coming around the corner, uh, we can manage to get some some really good guests in. The week after, I've got oh, blimey, I've got three three guests on one day. If it all if it all happens. If it all happens, which is... I'm, I'm always in awe of anybody that can manage to arrange all these things. So they happen on one day. I think on one day we've got Matt Lucas, David Hasselhoff and Cara Delavine. All on... The, literally one after... If it, if it happens, it'll be the miracle of all miracles. If we get two out of three, I'll be, I'll be a happy
0: bunny. You're listening to a podcast from LBC
1: morning, everybody. Because it's Friday, we're allowed to go, woo and get very excited about the day. <laughs> Although, if you're sort of getting ready to come into work again, all you're probably thinking about is, do you think I stand any chance of getting a seat on the train? And the answer is, no, nope, absolutely not. By the time some of the trains pull into Twickenham, uh, they've come in from Reading and places like that, which, of course, means they're packed. So, by the time they get there, they're practically pushing people into the carriages to get them on. But the new trains, very good. Very, very good. Paul Smith and I were discussing this the other day, and they're really absolutely... Quick. It's just one long, continuous carriage... With sort of individual seats, because I don't want to share a seat. I don't like that. I don't mind people standing up near me. But uh, the Thameslink have them. Do the Thameslink have them too? It's lovely when they're clean, isn't it? And they're all lovely and wonderful. I love that. It's like car parks in London. They've probably got them where you are in the country as well. And it's uh, in some... You know, you drive around a car park for ages. Oh, where is that one space? You can never find it. In some of these new car parks that they're putting in now, they've got lights, which are green. If it's green, the space is empty, because the moment you drive under it, the light changes to red. And so all you're looking for is a green light. Find a green light, a parking space. Such a simple system. Coming up with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning on LBC just after the news at seven. Described as one of the most important speeches in Theresa May's premiership, the Prime Minister will aim to break the deadlock in the ENU negotiations when she sets out her plan later. Will her intervention be the start of a brilliant Brexit? Also, LBC's exclusive investigation looks deeper into the sales of bicycles which are banned from Britain's roads. Plus, just seven days on from the Parsons' Green bombing, Nick will be joined live in the studio by the Metropolitan Police Commissioner, Cressida Dick. That's all with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from seven here on LBC. It's nice to be company. Uh, if you're not working today, perhaps you're working weekends, you get today off, you can enjoy yourself. Enjoy the sunshine which is going to be around, so they say. I'm hoping to be out of the hospital very, very quickly. So, start dusting. Dusting, apparently, helps you live longer. As any lady and gentleman will tell you at the moment, and ladies of a certain age, you know, people who put on their housecoats, remember housecoats? And you've got your duster, and you've got your, your all your little bits and pieces, and you're off, and you're on a mission. And people, you know... Various parts of the country will be doing the dusting and getting my mother obsessed with cleaning, obsessed with cleaning, as indeed are many people listening probably to this programme. Uh, also, the shoppers anger. They go into Tesco's, they go to the till. the person calls them Darling. Hello, Darling. Which is, you know, I've been known to call people things like that and poppets and, and everything else. It's, it's I think it's a term of affection. I think it's sort of I think it's quite something nice. Also, I can't remember your name. So, yes, the producer agrees as well. Oh, buy your apples soon, British apples. They say that the frost will take a toll on this year's harvest. At the moment, I don't know why we're worrying about it. I thought there was loads of apples around at the moment. certainly is in Paul Cooper's shop. He's got loads of apples, all of them. You know, some come in from other countries. Some come from the farms. And there's a wide variety of apples out there. Personally, I do like apples, but I'm just not really big into them. I'd rather eat a pear... Or something like that. Or I'd rather eat a mango. One of these days, somebody will invent the mango without the blooming stone in the middle of it. But apples are everywhere, but they say the frost could take a toll on them. Uh, also, the catwalk suddenly full of celebrity offspring. So, in other words, if you're a famous person, in inverted commas, uh, your son, daughter, cousin, twice removed, nephew, niece, whoever it happens to be, starts doing all the uh, the wandering up and down the catwalks. Which is very sweet. But some of these people, I mean, their, their idea of models nowadays is completely different from what my idea of, uh, of uh, models were in the early days. So this particular, just going back very, very briefly, this, this person goes in um, and doesn't like being called duck or pet or love, which is what they do in Yorkshire. They think, they think this is quite normal. Hello, me duck. I know, I know it seems a bit odd down here in the scythe. You know, we're all terribly, terribly, you know, good morning, sir. Good morning, madam. My driver called me sir this morning. I nearly said at one point I wanted to say. You don't need to call me sir, please. Uh, but anyway, this particular person uh, was fed up with being called sweetheart, darling and babe by checkout operators at the local Tesco. So she told the young checkout lady, I'd rather she didn't call me that as it was patronising and I found it offensive. She said, if you don't like it, use a different checkout operator. The checkout operator I chose was one... At a completely different and cheaper supermarket. Mary Killin, who's an etiquette specialist, they're all over the place, um, says here, she's for the for the spectator, says, I think this person who complained may have had too much time on her hands. Tesco said, if this customer would like to discuss how we handle the situation, we'd ask them to get in touch. Other gripes include a rail passenger not told of engineering works. What? What? <laughs> I mean, for goodness sake, honestly, who are these people? Are they so? Do you think is is babe too much? If you say, say all right, babe, all right, babe, I don't know. Is babe accept? You see, the trouble is, it's a bit difficult to, to sort of know what's sort of acceptable. If you're in a supermarket, I mean, if I mean, if I walked up to the till, I've got my little basket and I put it down. I've got my items in there. Somebody said, all right, babe. I mean, they wouldn't obviously they wouldn't call me babe because that means I'd be a pig. And uh, but what would they call? All right, darling. I don't think they'd call me darling. They'd Just go, all right, and I go. Yeah, hot lips, you. <laughs> I wonder if they'd then compl- probably they'd complain, actually, I should imagine. But I don't know. I don't think about it. It's just whatever the mood takes you. I mean, I've I've sort of said in Martins and Spencer's, thank you, dear. I don't, you know, which seems to be OK. Nobody's complained about it. Nigella's big new idea, cheese and ham and a toasty. My God, she's pushing the boat out. She is pushing the boat out. She has taken it to another level. Uh, Chilli cheese, garlic bread, toasted brie, parma ham and fig sandwich. Oh crikey! Got everything in this one, um, and also whipped feta toasts. Whipped feta toasts sounds nice, doesn't it? Crumble feta and whip with the yogurt, cumin, lemon, honey, and oil. Toast bread topped with mixture sounds delicious. But that's I was looking through Hugh Fernley Whittingstall's book the other day. I mean, it's got some lovely recipes in there for soups and for you know for those people who don't eat meat. It's a vegetable book. It's all. It's got about 126 recipes. But on each page of the recipe, it's then got alternative at the bottom you can substitute the thing so basically looking at over 300 recipes and so for those people who've kind of run out of ideas this would be sort of a good idea we'll talk about that with him tomorrow on the program and uh and david emmanuel has got uh, a jewelry um what do they call it a jewelry collection the word a jewelry collection do you remember graham freer no no not a clue not a clue, Amelia. I'm so sorry. Not here. I've never heard of him. And I've been here since God created the Garden of Gethsemane in heaven and earth, and he's not even on Google. So, uh, no idea. No idea. Maybe somewhere else, do you think? I don't know. Uh, also, half the families recycle less than 50% of waste. I'm not very good about that at all. So, pfft, what could he do about it? Some people are good at it, some people aren't good at it. Here we go, the celebrity offspring. Who have we got? Uh, we've got uh, Alan, Yedto- Alan Yentob. Do you know he's seventy, Alan Yentob? I can't believe that. It's very good for seventy. But his uh, his daughter, who's called Bella Yentob, is uh, is uh, doing walking up down a catwalk. Lennon Gallagher is eighteen. Of course, they have to put him in the naffest outfit you've ever seen in your life. He's uh, seen here here at uh, Milan Fashion Week. Uh, Lionel's daughter, Lionel Richie, uh, she's Sophia. She's doing it. Daniel Day-Lewis's son as well. That's Gabriel Kane Day-Lewis. Because you have to sort of fit everybody's name in, don't you? Cindy Crawford's daughter. She's very pretty. I mean, I'm not saying they're not all pretty. Well, Noel and Meg's girl is a bit sort of... what I call sort of grunge look. Yeah, Anise Gallagher, who's 17. And, uh, you know, Noel Gallagher's 50 now. Uh, Bond star Pierce's son, that's Dylan Brosnan. He's sort of got long hair. Have you noticed, though, that all these models got one thing in common? They're all thin, OK? If you're slightly overweight, forget it. Uh, Jude and Sadie's boy, this is Rafferty Law. Again, they, they, they put them in these outfits. If, if you walk down the street like this, people would be pointing and laughing. It's like sort of Liam and Patsy's boy, Lennon. You know, if you walk down the street wearing it, they are be going, what are you wearing, dear? What are you wearing? Uh, also, uh, the royal relation, Lady Amelia Windsor. Parents are George Windsor, Earl of St Andrews, and his wife, uh, Sylvana Palmer Windsor. Who? I was a bit blank on that one, I'm afraid. (laughs) I wasn't quite with it at all. Um, And uh, apparently, if you call a pupil average, it holds them back, teachers have been told. You mustn't say that. You mustn't call them average. What do you call them? Failure? The Who's Who of Evil for sale? A book listing the phone numbers of Hitler's Nazi high command found by a British officer in Berlin 72 years ago. God, I hope it's genuine. Because, you know, we had the Hitler Diaries, which turned out to be fake and they were bought by a national newspaper. But this one here, no good in the numbers. I don't think anybody would be It'd be funny if somebody answered, wouldn't it? The other end. Yes. Um, oh, right. The anti-diesel activists storming aboard a ship full of VWs. And in fact, these ones were all fine. But uh, never let it be said that they haven't actually got it uh, right. These are Greenpeace protesters stopping uh, a ship carrying Volkswagen diesel cars from docking in the UK. 20 demonstrators in kayaks and inflatables climbed the unloading door of the vessel as it came into port. Do they have proper jobs, these activists? Or they just sort of wander around the world jumping onto ships and saying, you can't do this, you can't do that? I don't know. I've never actually sort of investigated. It all seems a little bit old-fashioned to me. And how much ziz do you need? Do you know when you go to bed at night? How many hours sleep... Can you function on? It was always said Margaret Thatcher did, what, four hours or something like that. I could do four hours. Wouldn't bother me in the slightest. Donald Trump needs less. Well, I say he needs less. He needs to wake up early to do the hair because that must take the time. Okay, first, no, to the front. He tweets at three in the morning. So that's quite a normal thing. And apparently we would rather have, who wrote this, a blissful night's rest than a pay rise. Huh? (laughs) But they've asked people how much sleep they get. Uh, somebody says here, I awake at 4am and climb into bed at 8pm. You see, I awake at 1pm, climb into bed at 6pm, and and I'm fine with it. They've got all sorts of people. Victoria Hislop, uh, who has, she says, posh pillows are important. I get through a lot of pillows. I, you know, they, they work for a little while, and then, but I, I don't spend any more than sort of 20 quid on a pillow, which will last me, you know, sort of. 4 5 months as I mean until I get bored with it and then try something else. <clears throat> I've tried every sort of pillow. Somebody says a uh, uh, a brisk stroll before you go to bed will help you sleep. Uh also Griffith Jones says he's up and down all night. Geoffrey Archer 6 hours on Swansdown. Is that Swansdown duvet? See I'm Siberian goose. I think I'm the same as Nick Ferrari. I think Nick Ferrari's Siberian goose as well. D- diff- Different kind of duvet. Okay, we've both got our own separate ones. Not like living together, picking out curtains or nothing like that. Just in case anybody starts that rumour around here. Uh, And Justin Webb says, I sleep in a shed until 3.30. Oh, right, Okay. Uh, Guy Meadows, director of uh, the sleep school, says, I even built my own bed. I think that's taken it far too far. And uh, Winifred Robinson, a broadcaster, says, I catch up at the weekends. You see, I like a little doze. When I actually get in... I'd, I quite like to sort of lie down in front of the television, put my feet up, and I can doze for about half an hour to an hour. I wake up, but I've got to go out. I've got to go out to get fresh air. You need that fresh air. And then I could do it. If I stay in all day, I'm like a bit lethargic. And I'm ooh, it doesn't work. So I need to go out to do things, which is good. Uh, the red squirrels are bouncing back uh, because they were all pushed out by the grey squirrels. The grey squirrels are the marauders. They're the, the nasty ones. So now the, the red squirrels are fighting back. Put them up. Put them
0: up fighting their way through you're listening to a podcast from lbc
1: thank you very much indeed to annette and kevin in denmark they sent in some uh, some danish licorice because they're in denmark and uh, they say please look after yourself uh, it's been years since we last sent you some remember it's strong and or salty yes it's currently doing the rounds in the newsroom uh, Annette and Kevin, thank you very much indeed for that I'm always fascinated by other people's sweets because I remember going to Denmark years ago, I went to Copenhagen and they had salty chewing gum I think, there's obviously something about salt and sweets it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an odd combination well it's, it seems like an odd combination for us but for everybody else it's perfectly normal I should imagine uh, Marcus says put 50p in the metre, it's freezing outside, it's, uh, yeah but it's going to be a good weekend uh, Swanstown I thought was a prison says Fib. Michelle in Hendon says, I wish somebody had called me, babe. No chance. Not going to happen. I don't... I mean, who would call somebody? It's like the wolf-whistling we had the other day. Do you remember there was a minister in France who said that she thought it was offensive when people wolf-whistled or chatted people up in the street? I've never been chatted up in the street in my life. Mind you, I've never been wolf-whistled at. And, Steve, when you mentioned the CBB house crowds on eviction night, you reminded me when I worked as a scenic carpenter in the house myself. The year Jade Goody was in there, the production team went to the Tesco next to... Elstree Studios because I don't know where they get all these people from and asked shoppers if they wanted to come to the eviction as numbers were so low. Yeah, they've had that a few times. They, the numbers for Celebrity Big Brother were not uh, not particularly brilliant but uh, they, they get, can you hold this sign up? Well, I never made that. Just Or boo or cheer or do whatever because they're looking for an audience. Nothing worse. Because I can't work out if on the chase they've actually got an audience in the studio with Bradley and whoever the uh, the person is or whether it's, it's just it's sound effects. It's what? Paul, Paul Sinner. Well, they, they do other people, don't they, on there? They have some woman who's very Wagnerian. She, you don't want to argue with her. I like her a lot. In fact, I like all of them. I don't, I don't dislike anybody on that programme. But I don't know if it's a real audience. I'm not sure if it. it's not an audience. Oh, right, it's, it's, it's superimposed over the top of it, the clapping and all that kind of stuff. Do they do clapping on there? Some of the some of the shows do, and I thought if if they never show you the audience, you know that the audience doesn't exist. That must been, make it very odd, mustn't it? You're actually playing, and, and especially for Bradley because he's a comedian, and an actor, and a singer, and a writer. <laughs> I don't know, after dinner speaker just about everything. But, it, but it, it, your your reaction presumably is from the is from the crew standing around. The, the other morning, poor Holly Willabooby was uh, was very rude. She said something very rude on the programme, and then she realised what she'd said, and they did the usual thing, which is where Pip starts starts corpseing. She then had to sit down. She said, "Stop it! Stop it now! Stop it now!" She she said something which is even funnier, but I don't want to repeat it at this time of the morning. And uh, and all you could hear is the crew laughing, all the cameramen, everybody else going, "I can't believe she just said that." You're not sure whether or not she is she's particularly thick, or she just says something. The celebrity ones have an audience. Oh, right, OK. But the normal ones, they don't have an audience on the chase. There you go. You live and learn, don't you? Live and learn. Daily Mail this morning, 650 doctors rebel over abortion on demand. The PM's bold bid to end Brexit deadlock. Upbeat May sets out plan for cash deal to secure a two-year EU goodbye. The Daily Mirror, when we grow up, we want to be on Strictly. And because you're going to be bored with, with Strictly and you've got to put up in the sun with Ola and Dreary, Jordan, husband, whatever his face is, you know, talking about what they... Th- who cares what they think? Who cares? They're not on the programme anymore. They'd never use him ever again. And um, so they've got their sort of verdicts on the people on the programme. So what they've got is they've got pictures of the kids or the, the people who are on it at the moment as kids... And they go, when I grow up, I want to be on Strictly. It's a case of when I grow up, I want to try and earn some money because my career's come to a grinding halt. That's what it should be called. Mystery of Killers briefcases. This is Ian Brady left behind two locked briefcases, which may give clues as to where he buried a victim. I shouldn't think so for an instant. I'd be really, really surprised. What, you think he's just left a turn right, count four paces, three... Of course not. Absolutely. Because they, they would have opened this long before now. He was in he was in Broadmoor, for God's sake. You could have, could have opened this quite easily. But uh, anyway, he's gone and buried, thank God, for whatever he's done with. Uh, the Sun this morning, the PM's £20 billion offer to the EU. And um, Lock Up Your Man. This is uh, James and Ola Strictly War Who cares about them? Gosh, they were finished ages ago. Ages and ages ago. And uh, this is the new girl, Playboy's Nadia... Bitchkova. There must be loads of these. But they all look like Victoria's Secret models. £95 nail bomb kit on Amazon. We buy Manchester type device. What they've done is they've bought, you know, they, they've gone on to Amazon and they bought bits and pieces which collectively could make a potentially lethal nail bomb. They don't, there isn't actually a thing on their nail bomb, you know, click here for one, two, three or four. It doesn't work. What they've done is they've bought lots of bits and pieces and put it together. But they, but they got it sent through. Nobody actually said anything. It, it didn't uh, signal anything. There was, there was nothing that, that actually sort of came up on the system saying, wait a minute, somebody's ordered nails. They've ordered this, this chemical here. They've ordered a pressure cooker. Why, why has nobody thought about it? Why has nobody thought about it at all? Daily Express this morning. Time to break open Brady's uh, briefcases and reveal his final secrets. Uh, there won't be anything in there. There won't be anything in there, I bet you. I'd be very, very surprised. The man was just uh, filth. Just filth. Glad he's dead. He should have died donkeys years ago. Done everybody a big favour. May's vision for Brexit victory. Britain's future is bright, says the Prime Minister. Other people might disagree with that, incidentally. In which case you can speak to Nick Ferrari about that a little bit later on. And uh, smiles at last. The Cabinet rivals unite to back Theresa. Uh, this is Philip Hammond and Boris Johnson after the Cabinet meeting yesterday. It's always nice when they... I don't believe a word they say. How can you tell when politicians are lying? Their lips are moving. Uh, the Eye this morning, May offers £20 billion Brexit divorce deal to Europe. And, uh, and one woman who had a brain scan to understand her dreams. I never, I mean, I've, I've woken up a few times and I've thought, God, that dream was quite vivid. Do you know, within about 15 minutes, it's gone completely. You never remember it. You're supposed to write them down, but who can be bothered? I used to have a recurring dream for, for many, many years. A recurring dream of falling off, or nearly falling off, castle battlements. I've got a fear of heights And that includes standing on a chair. That would would be considered a... And you know me for being accident-prone. I mean, I'm not exactly the safest person in the world. And so, uh, you know, tightrope walking would be out of the equation. I get sweaty palms looking at a photograph of somebody climbing the outside of a building with no rope, clinging onto the building. I mean, that fries the life out of me. It really does. Even watching John Noakes climbing Nelson's Column. You know, I I remember... And these were ladders which were strapped on with rope. To Nelson's column, I would mean, look bad enough when you stand there looking up at it as I drive round it every single day of my life, barring Saturday, although tomorrow I probably will drive back round it again, and i get frightened looking at things like that. So, uh, you know, a brain scan to understand your dreams. You know, we, have, we used to have a programme on LBC analysing people's dreams, and people would sort of phone up and say, I had this dream about this and that, and the, the dream analyst would say, well, this is to do, it was mainly sexual. Mainly, it involves Domino's Pizza quite a lot, as you can imagine, in the papers today. I like to be topical. I like to be topical. This is a couple who were, let's just call it, messing about. And uh, they've offended public decency. And, in fact, just looking at them, they've offended me straight away. Because, I mean, people like that. I mean, but what, what role models have they got? They turn on Love Island and there's somebody appearing on television going, oh, I had sex on, on television. And we're all supposed to go, oh, well done you. Unfortunately, I'm not. I'm somewhat crueler. I have names for these people. The developers who let Charles choose the architects, Lord Rogers claims. This is a very interesting story on the front of the Times this morning. Lord Rogers of Riverside, one of the world's leading architects, says that five developers told him that they presented names of practices to Clarence House to check who would be acceptable. The architect, whose own designs were blocked by Prince Charles, said one developer told him that consulting him over plans was one way we can minimise risk. His claim will reopen the debate over the degree of influence that Charles, who is 68, has on the build environment ever since he stunned the architecture profession in 84 with an attack on a proposed extension to the National Gallery. He's intervened privately and publicly in developments. I think because he thinks he knows. And that's the trouble, you know, a little knowledge is a very dangerous thing. Front page of the Guardian, you can read that on the Times incidentally this morning, and also a picture of uh, Kate Gerber who's the daughter of uh, Cindy Crawford. I mean, she's, she's 16. I mean, seriously, I'm not surprised people get confused. She, she would be served in any bar in the country. 16 years old, and she was on for the Italian label Fendi at the Milan Fashion Week. That's all they do. If, if you go to Rome, it's full of attractive people. You know, I mean, I really never go to Rome. I find it far too depressing to walk around. Everybody's a model. The place is just full of American models and British models. Uh, Also, immigration checks on 70 million bank accounts, according to The Guardian. This morning, they say customers deemed to be in the UK illegally will have their funds frozen. That'll be an interesting one, won't it? It'll be back to the old tin box under the bed. And The Telegraph, this morning... May, it's EU's duty to agree a Brexit deal, plus the Polish pilot streaking ahead in the Spitfire vote. This is the RAF Museum's public vote to choose the greatest Spitfire Mark V pilot in history. It appears to be a landslide victory for the last surviving Polish Second World War Squadron commander, whose first name I really cannot pronounce, but it's got a CZ in it, if that's any help to anybody. His surname is Koniki. uh, He's leading the... He's 100... He's leading the poll by more than 250,000 votes. Good for him. Good for him. Swan Song for the, uh, for the opera boss. Uh, the Heath Inquiry given 1.1 million. And the Ryanair boss threatens to delay pilots' holidays. Thank you for your company this week. Thank you for, uh, for having a go at my, my competition. And uh, I wish you well in that. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. With the best of Steve Allen between 5 and 6am and then between 6 and 7, it's David Emmanuel and Hugh Fernley Whittingstall. You do not want to miss it. It's repeated Sunday evening at 9 o'clock and then you can download it as a podcast. And I'm back Sunday morning as well with the Sunday papers. Have a great weekend. I wish you nothing but nice thoughts and sunshine. You can listen to LBC if you download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment with our LBC catch-up app. Leading Britain's conversation at 10, it's James O'Brien, but coming up next with Breakfast on LBC, it's Nick Ferrari.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am